Hey, everybody. My name is Justin Murphy, and this is my podcast. It's called Other Life because it's where I talk about all the things I don't get to talk about in normal life. So if you're into it, you should definitely subscribe. And if you'd like to talk to other people interested in what I'm interested in, or ask me questions or request future topics or guests, please just follow the link in the show notes. Finally, I just want to give a huge thanks to all the donors and patrons. I could not keep this podcast running without financial backers, so I'm very grateful. And I would just say that if you enjoy this podcast or my blog or my videos, please do consider signing up to give a little bit of money each month. It would really help me grow out this project, and it would mean a lot to me. So thanks a lot. Now on to the podcast, over and out. All right, here I am. Rest assured, relax. I know you're getting very panicked. I know you're getting very stressed out about whether or not I would show up, but I always show up. So don't panic. Here I am. How's everyone doing today? I spent the better part of today preparing a lecture and then recording a lecture for this new lecture course that I'm teaching with Johannes Niederhauser on Deleuze versus Heidegger on technology. It's pretty dope. Pretty pumped on it. What's good about doing lectures and writing books and stuff is there are gains to specializing. So once you do one thing, it's easier to do the second thing and it feels more enriching. So yeah, now that I'm doing, because I did six lectures for base Deleuze for the video course that I already did as an experiment with the book. And they were, you know, I had to kind of find my bearings giving lectures for the internet. It is a different game than giving lectures to a university classroom. But I got my kinks out there, I think. And now Johannes and I are joining forces to create something bigger and better, something a little bit more polished for this course. So, yeah, it feels good. It feels good. But I've been star- I've been looking into my camera for most of today. I'm going to be joined by Charlie Looker, who is an interesting cat who's been in my internet orbit for some time now. We've interacted many times over the years. Well, past two years probably. So... uh but we never met face to face. Seems like a cool dude. He was kind of early in my orbit. So I always have extra respect for people who thought I was cool before I got cool. Like when no one really knew about anything that I was doing, but just a few people would DM me and kind of be like, Hey, I see what you're doing. It's cool. The small number of people who hit me up back in the day, the very beginning, got a lot of respect for those people, but he's one of these, he's one of those people. So looking forward to hanging out with him. Seems like a really cool dude. He's been kind of into weird theory. As I said before, it was cool. And uh, yeah, he's a very independent artist and musician. And he's had a pretty successful musical career doing all kinds of stuff. So it'll be interesting to pick his brain about theory and where he thinks we're at with the new digital economies for creative production. He's promoting an album that he just finished, so... Yeah, I suspect I'll have a lot of thoughts on on all of these things. How are you all doing? Got the chat here. Ben is not here with me today. He's home hard at work editing my video for the lecture series. <laughs> Shout out to Ben Williamson. He's the man. Helps me a lot. Um, yeah, so uh, in the run-up to our lecture course that we're launching later in the month, Johannes and I are going to do a free, totally free, private seminar on Sunday. And we're pretty much going to give you all of the main points of the lecture course. So if you're interested in our lecture course, but you don't want to pay for it, then just come to the seminar and we'll tell you pretty much everything we're going to say in the seminar, but it's going to be more condensed, you know, so it won't be a full course. It'll just be one hour where Johannes and I will share the main 
the main ideas of our lecture course. Johannes has a very personal idiosyncratic interpretation of Heidegger. And I have a, I guess, somewhat idiosyncratic interpretation of Deleuze. So we will spell out the main points in our perspectives. And yeah, you'll leave the seminar with pretty much all the main bullet points. And obviously, if you want to really get a deep dive on Heidegger and Dilla's on technology, then uh, you can join the course that's coming out later this month, but you don't have to. So like all things, pretty much everything I make on the internet, I try to do um, a whole bunch of free stuff so that mostly you can get most of the point of anything I do for free, whether it be a book or a course or whatever. Um, if you just want the content, you just want to learn from it and you just want to get the basics, I'm going to always make that stuff for free as widely available as possible and and hopefully always make a whole bunch of other auxiliary content like I do kind of spelling things out uh, and then just periodically I'll do focused sophisticated and you know thoughtfully crafted high value products or services or experiences or whatever this is the new world we're in so um, we'll see we'll see where it goes we'll see how it goes but so far it's fun so far people seem to enjoy all the stuff I'm putting out and IndieThinkers.org, man, is kicking off. We had like a whole bunch of new members join this this week. So I'm super pumped on that. I think that's, that's really going to be a thing. Uh, I kind of have too much on at the moment. I'm really over overloaded. I have an event. I'm doing my first live podcast show in LA. I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about it or you've seen me mention it on Twitter or whatever. On Friday, February 28th, there will be a live podcast show. First ever for the Other Life podcast. And it's going to be dope. I have some possible guests lined up. Uh, whoever ends up being the live panel, it's going to be dope, I assure you. And there's going to be a party afterwards. By the way, folks, uh, this isn't just bluster. I'm, I've actually booked venues. Uh, shout out to my man, Barrett Avner of Contain. He's my man on the ground. He's been helping me find venues and book things and sort things out on the ground. And uh, so it's happening. Come hell or high water. On February, Friday the 28th, if you're anywhere in the LA area, come out and hang out. It's going to be... It's not going to be like your normal uh, live podcast show. It's not going to be a bourgeois thing. It's going to be a DIY punk rock affair. We have a massive venue and there's going to be booze and it's going to be cheap and it's going to be wild. We're probably going to have some musical acts after the live podcast. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I got to check my email because Charlie is not here. Hopefully he's coming. Okay, now he's got it. He's coming. He's coming. So yeah, LA live podcast. That'll be dope. And then based mansion the weekend after the podcast, I'm literally renting a mansion and people from the internet are going to live with me for two nights. Also in Los Angeles, I haven't booked that venue yet, but I'm damn close. People have already started. uh, I got a bunch of applications. I've welcomed some people to pay and I have more than enough money already to pretty much be confident in doing it. So I'm going to be booking the based mansion in the next couple of days. Probably it's these things are all really happening. I'm not just, uh, I'm not just talking shit, which I do sometimes, but I try to be clear when I'm, you know, pie in the sky dreaming and talking about kind of crazy experimental ideas for the future. And when I'm actually doing things and the live podcast show is happening, it's official and the party afterward is official and based mansion is official so I think based mansion is probably fill filled. I think I have enough. I think I've already more than enough applications. I'm probably going to have to re- decline some people just because there's not going to be enough space for everyone. 
but if you if you are still interested and you're hearing about it late, you can feel free to submit a request. Charlie, I think your camera might not be on. Um, I'll turn to you in just a second, but uh, yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. Uh, hit me up. You can find links to all those things. And uh, let's bring Charlie on now. It's all good. How you doing, man? Doing okay. How are you? Good. It's good to meet you face to face, kind of. Yeah, anyway. I know. It's just been email and just like Discord shit. I um, yeah. Too bad. I'm I'm living in LA now, but I won't. You know, I won't be able to to check out the thing. Oh, you're not going to be there. You're not going to be in town for my. Yeah, no, that day I'm going to New York to to start tour. Actually, like I'm Psalm Zero kicking off a tour that oh, day. Oh, bummer. That's too bad. Okay, it's I all know. good. You're gonna use Mold Bug and a DJ. <laughs> yeah, we're still lining things up, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, laptop Whatever. only. No vinyl. It's gonna be dope, though. It's gonna be dope. We already have a venue, and we're doing it real kind of DIY punk rock affair. It's not like gonna be some bougie, um, like fancy venue. It's gonna be, it, it's a, it's a cool like family owned place. It's just a massive dining hall, basically. Mm-hmm. and uh we're doing the bar ourselves. it's uh, we basically just have this big empty space to do whatever we want with so it's gonna be it's gonna be fun yeah that's fun that's cool yeah yeah i was just uh i was just checking out barrett's uh podcast oh I yeah just, i only know him from twitter but i was like yeah maybe i should like reach out to him see what he's up to out here because like yeah i like his music too it's cool he's cool dude he's a real yeah. cool dude and a nice guy and, and he's got his shit together and he's really he's really pumped up on yeah kind of these new opportunities for truly creative, independent, intellectual culture. Yeah. And uh, he's really like putting a lot of weight of his behind trying to do things like with me and other people to, to kind of get these weird alternative kind of anti-institutional counter-institutional intellectual currents, more kind of energy and and space and time. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's cool. Do you know people in LA that I should like meet? Um, I mean, yeah, a couple, I mean, some, some people you're not, you're not psyched on anymore. Uh, just, but, um, what does that mean? What's that? What do you mean by that? Uh, no, no, no. You were, you were, uh, j- just friends in common where you were like, yeah, I don't fuck with her anymore. It, it doesn't matter. Um, okay. Oh, oh, okay. I think yeah, I know that. I know the subtweet here. Okay. Yeah. 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 I don't know. But, um, other than that, who, um, no, you told me some people, you told me some people I should check out. I can't remember who, uh, oh, your friend, uh, Elliot Rosenstock is out here. Oh yeah. Do you know him? Uh, no, no. I mean, I just, I've seen his, uh, his videos on, on your, uh, on the podcast. Yeah. He's interesting. I like, yeah, he's funny, I, dude. I got to read some Lacan though. I still have not read Lacan. It's almost like becoming embarrassing at this point. Yeah. So what is your kind of intellectual background? Because I remember when we first started talking on the interwebs, you know, you kind of, you mentioned that you, you kind of came to a lot of the stuff with theoretical interests. What's, what's like the quick, the quick and dirty on that for you? Um, I guess just, I mean, I got into th- theory or philosophy just in college, just undergrad. Um, I mean, I majored in music, you know, but uh, liberal arts school, you know, I went to Wesleyan. So, I mean, it's like Deleuze was actually one of the first, well, Foucault was kind of the first where I was like, all right, like the order of things, I, this is now I give a shit about theory, like as a whole tradition, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, starting with that. And then I got to Deleuze pretty quick, but Deleuze was always this thing that I'm Oh, hang on, you dropped, dropped out for a second. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, hope that's not ongoing. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, Deleuze was kind of like uh, the band I was playing in at the time, this band Z's. Uh, this is all the way, I'm 39, so this was like early 2000s. Like, uh, yeah, A Thousand Plateaus was kind of like our, our band book club thing that we would just attempt to even touch the contours of what this thing was. 
but I keep coming back to it and it, I, I do get it more and more every time. And now he's very hip, which is a good thing, I, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I thought right. of him as a, a thinker of liberation. Now I'm not so sure. He's now he's just like sinister and shit. But um, yeah. well, I'm, I'm sure people will be debating that for some time. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I think ultimately the mundane reality of this debate is just that the dude wrote in such an obscure and difficult style that is easily co-opted for pretty much anything you want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the thing that's interesting to me is just that like when I was getting into this stuff and actually my whole time being into theory, like this is the thing I've just throughout my twenties and thirties, I'm just always going more and more just sort of almost collecting different thinkers like a sponge. And it always finds its way into my music as a composer, lyricist, you know? Um, But um, it's weird because when I started to get into theory and stuff, it was like politics were not explicitly the vibe, which is weird. Like this whole right left culture war schism of, of mankind was like not on the this just not how I was looking at stuff I was just like oh I guess this is implicitly leftist because it's critical and that's what the left is it's critique mm. you know what I mean but the, now that I'm looking back at it it's not really agenda stuff Foucault is more diagnostic you know yeah I think that's fair for sure and there are conservative interpretations of Foucault also yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I genuinely, I personally generally think that great thinkers usually have a left-wing version and a right-wing version because truly great thinkers have no need for ideological supports. They have no need for the crutch of vulgar ideo- ideological team playing. And so they just think explosively and any explosive thought is going to have fragments in different directions and many different vectors that can easily be interpreted in different in different ways and i i think that's i think great thinkers generally explode kind of the ideological continuum and that's how it should be yeah well i sort of agree i i wouldn't say that 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 ha- being ideological makes you not a great thinker I, I, but i would say i just am more interested i've always been more inspired by theorists who are fair enough who are but i would say that i would and, say and that if you're say, you know, if you're um, primarily i think if primarily you're a team player then you that's going to come at a cost to to truly quality radical incisive thinking i do think okay. there's i think there's a trade off there um okay. i think you have to kind of choose at different margins do you want a certain group of people to like you do you want your team to like you do you want that kind of group belonging and that group solidarity or do you want to dig as 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 brutally deeply as possible into the into the into the hard difficult core of things but that's just my yeah. take what yeah, do i yeah. know? well maybe that's just how you define what intellectual life is you know i mean that it's not uh in a sense practical but no but but you've talked uh, you've talked about practical applications of Deleuze on how to live and it's stuff that i I found really you know interesting so yeah yeah, well tell me more tell me what you know most about which i think is music what's your whole give it give me in a nutshell what's your what's your musical story what's your musical history like i know you, you you're quite accomplished you've been playing music for a very long time and you've done a number of different projects yeah. How would you, how would you, to someone on the bus stop, how would you uh, describe, so, describe your musical career? Yeah, I guess I, I would say I've kind of the, the main uh, cultural realms that musical realms that I've been affiliated with are metal, but even more deeply rooted in experimental music. So I, 
when I say that, I mean the sort of downtown New York tradition of like John Zorn, Philip Glass, Diamante Galas, like that kind of mm -hmm. iconoclastic, eclectic, weirdo shit. You know, okay. that's probably the realm. That's probably the place where people know me the most or I get the most respect. But I picked up a guitar originally because of metal. And now I've sort of over the years returned to it kind of. And are you a musician full time or do you have a day job or what's uh, your, no, what's your life situation various, like? I have various day jobs, you know, like, I mean, I'm always doing teaching jobs uh, in New York. Most of my stuff is teaching guitar lessons and stuff. I mean, like adjuncting you, or what? Um, Not not at a university, just at, at a place where they just fill my schedule up with guitar students and stuff. So is um, it like school kids or what? Uh, it's like all ages, uh, you know, kids to adult. Um, but, th but since I moved out to LA like eight months ago, I've just been, I, I started doing PR work actually, yeah. um, which is not my trip, but I'm, I'm qualified to do it. You know, just having hustled so much for my own shit. I'm like, all right, I can, this is a monetizable skill that right. is like low headache. Does it pay know? well? Uh, it pays enough. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. Yeah. I think it's like supplemental income for, for the, for the music thing, you know? Right on. Um, so you basically, you basically hack your life together by you make months, you make, you do make some money with music and then you pay, you pay the yeah. bills with whatever side work you need to get. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. And I mean, it's sort of like, uh, I mean, I, the muse, the money that comes in through music is often not through my own creative stuff. You know, it's often like sideman stuff, you know, backing someone up guitar wise, doing arrangements on someone's record, you know, uh, doing right. like arrangements for, for somebody like that kind of thing. Um, as far as my own, like creative shit, I come out in the plus, but it's not really like a, you come out, you, you come out in the plus. So, I, so you're, you're, you're not, you're not burning savings to do your work. Yeah, but, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but, okay. Right. Yeah, but when I first started out, I mean, the whole vision was like, I was just like, I'm always going to have day jobs. I'm going to end up being in musical academia. I mean, that was the plan. I was just like, I'm not even attempting like to have a career, um, in a sense, it's funny because you're always talking about like, fuck the academy, like you're leaving the academy was like, fuck it. But for me, the idea of eventually becoming a professor like that was fuck it because it was mm -hmm. kind of like, I, I don't want to have to hustle out here trying to, you know, it, th that seemed like a safer place to be weird, actually. Right. Experimental music, you know. I think once, yeah, maybe in music it's different. Maybe it still is. Uh, but I think in, in a lot of domains, it used to be that and it just isn't anymore. So you kind of, you get into it hoping that it's going to be this relatively protected space where you can be quite creative in your own life. And for in certain, in certain disciplines and many disciplines, I think that's less and less the case, but yeah. maybe in music, yeah. I mean, often in music, in, in, in the disciplines mm -hmm. that are kind of require or involve more practical skills like music, yeah. you can often get job as an adjunct, even without a PhD or whatever. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I haven't been on that hustle because, because I will say, like when I was younger, the idea is like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll just eventually go into academia. But it's like now that I see friends that are going back and becoming professors, even adjunct or for real, it's like the kind of, it becomes completely about discourse around music rather than the music itself. And as much as I like to read theory and talk shit about it, I'm not into this. I'm not into the idea of having to create some unified thing where it's like, this is what my work is about. It deals with blah, blah, blah. Like that shit gets forced to me. You know, I, I like to keep it sloppy. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, for sure. And when you do tours and stuff nowadays at your current level or yeah. stature, is it, is it mostly indie? Like you organize your own stuff or you have like a label or a manager or someone who's kind of like directs you or what? 
Yeah. I mean, I've worked with a bunch of different labels sometimes. I don't have a, I've never had a manager, but you know, I've had different booking agents, uh, you know, working for me with me. Uh, I'm often booking my own shit as well. People kind of come and go. I mean, there's a lot of stuff where it's like people, I mean, this new thing is self-released the new Psalm zero record. Uh, but we were working for a label with a while, uh, working with a label for a while. Didn't end badly, but it's just was like, you know what? Like I'm actually going to do better with this, putting it out myself for various reasons, you know? Um, just financially and, and even getting it out there wise. But um, right. it, it's sort of like uh, um, sometimes I can just do something better myself. And and it's just, I, I have more at stake in making it happen, you know, especially yeah. with like booking and shit. You know what I mean? Someone books a tour for you. They're not going to have to go play the fucking shows. So they'll just drop the ball because all they're getting is 10% of the door money. So Right. So, you know. so this album that you're putting out that, that just came out, that's out now, you mm-hmm. link in the description below, by the way, folks, yeah. uh, that, that you are putting out yourself and that's, so that's all you kind of plan the tour yourself. You manage it, you book things. You're kind of like the CEO of the whole operation or what? Yeah. Well, I mean, I like, I, I paid for the record to, for recording and for the record to be manufactured. We got vinyl, sure. um, but, um, and then I, I have a publicist working it. Um, but, um, yeah, so the publicist do like, what, what does the publicist do exactly? Just like, you know, like bothers journalists and stuff and just hits them up and has, and has connection. Is that, is that worth it? Is that worth the money? Is that like a really, that's money well spent? Um, in this case it is in this, in this case, just, just given what he costs versus what he's like getting done is fucking awesome. Um, the reason but, I ask is because, yeah. yeah, I'm actually very interested in these types of what might seem to many people as kind of weirdly specific, narrow kind of logistical questions. But I actually do think yeah, it's yeah. I'm really interested in it. And I actually think a fair number of people in my audience are interested in these types of things, because ultimately what we're talking about is kind of the tactics and logistics and the different decisions one has to make to put together some sort of independent creative project and and launch it and promote it and and yeah. carry out the whole operation. I mean, it, to do this sort of thing. You know, a lot of people probably would like to do this sort of thing, but it's not obvious how to do it. And so for me, even for instance, like I have a pretty sophisticated operation built up now over the course of a couple of years. And uh, but like a publicist, for instance, like I, I've know I know some people I've heard of some people who who will have like a publicist for their podcast or whatever, just because it takes a lot of time to be always emailing people to get guests and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So it's like I've kind of it's kind of been on my radar. Like, should I have a publicist? Would that be worth like me hiring someone to help me with booking and stuff like that? Um, or would that be a waste of money and can I afford that yet? So these are, these might seem like weird, narrow questions, but I actually think it's kind of interesting to break it down. I'm, I'm into it. I mean, I don't know how it works in the, in the uh, publishing world, but I can tell it's hard for me to even give a, you know, if there's like a younger musician, uh, listening to this, it's hard for me to give blanket advice because sometimes a publicist it's helped so much, gotten so much press been so worth it. Mm. Um, sometimes it's been just utterly a fucking waste of money like just like okay. I, and, and not necessarily because the person's incompetent but it's the it's the the wrong fit you know mm. um I, yeah i've had and then but then again there's also who's paying for it if a label if a label is like look we're gonna hire someone put all this money into it cool you know i mean it's like you but as right. far as putting your own money into it you got to make sure it's someone who has the connections that you that you need. I mean, for Psalm Zero, it's sort of easy because it's easy to to know 
because the guy that I'm working with is like a very metal, he's very hooked up in the metal world. He has connections that are sort of like the next couple levels up from me. He knows exactly how to present it. You know what I'm saying? And Psalm Zero is within the metal. It's, it's arty, but it's square. It's enough squarely within metal that it's like, it makes sense for his connections. My solo record I put out two years ago, Simple Answers, that was this orchestra record that was just like complete, it was like 17 piece chamber orchestra, strings, winds, brass, totally fucking crazy shit. All, it, all dealing with Julia Kristeva was basically the, the, the premise. And, you know, I hired this like rock, indie rock type publicist and she just couldn't, she just couldn't pull shit. And, and now I, I know publicists who could have made it fucking sore. And I'm just like, God damn it. You know? So, right. So you got to get someone who gets what you're doing and can really talk about it. Presumably it's, it's more of a, per, it's it really, it's also just what connections they have, you know? Um, and do they know the new blogs and shit that are coming out that, I don't know about yet because I don't sit around following all the, the latest thing, but they know the latest new thing that's actually has more follow, you know, more readership than you'd think. But I don't know how that works in publishing, man. I really have no idea. I mean, all, you know, the thing is, I know that like self-releasing an album with or without PR, there's like a long time honored tradition and like dignity in doing that. You know what I mean? Punk was that, is that I'm not punk per se, but you, you know what I'm saying? There's like a, that's a dignified way to roll. You know what I mean? But right. with, with, you know, books, I mean, you're making it dignified. You know, you guys are like making it happen, but it's like, I've heard you kind of defend that. You know, I've heard you've been like, dude, this is not lame. Like, this is cool. <laughs> Do this. Right. I mean, that's so. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I hear all of what you're saying for sure. I mean, dude, if you told me, if you told me even four years ago that, in 2020, I would be self-publishing books. I would be devastated. I'd probably be crying with disappointment. I'd, I'd be like, "No, I, that's for losers." I mean, I used to honestly think, like, when I when I was when I was like when I was younger, and because I I kind of came up, I cut my teeth as a young adult in Philly, in pretty much the DIY punk rock scene in, yeah, in Philly right. for um a, like a long period. I grew, I basically was lived in Philly for ten years. I did my undergrad and my PhD there. Um, and my, my people, my scene was always pretty much, yeah, like DIY music, uh, warehouse scene. Yeah. And so I hung with to tons of people who would do publish zines and this sort of stuff, you know, this right. whole kind of DIY culture. And I always thought it was cool. Like I, I definitely drive with me like, uh, temperamentally, I, that was my type of people, but I remember always thinking like I would never self publish a book because that's just for losers. And then. Right. I just think things honestly, objectively changed things like bronze age perverts book came out. And then I started looking at the numbers. I, I looked, I looked at like how many books bronze age pervert was selling compared to leading top of the line yeah. authors at like Verso and bronze age pervert sells way more books than so-called famous authors for Verso. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. I just started like actually looking at the underlying objective distributions of, of power and, and influence and I was just kind of like, oh, the game is actually totally different now. Yes. And yeah. Um, yeah, so pretty much I just think it's a it's a it's a changing underlying power structure. And I think people are just kind of slow to wake up to it. So in yeah. any event, yeah, I mean, I think publishing a book or launching a book in it, on indie terms is not, not that much different probably than launching a record on indie at, terms. At, at this point, yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it's also like just theory is having a moment now. You know, these young young kids are into it who aren't even in college, maybe don't even have plans to go. 
some these of these kids are not like hyper smart, you know what I mean? But in a cool way, you know what I mean? Right. Just like yeah. I'm just here for the hang, you know, like I don't need to be a genius to read Deleuze, you know, which I think is beautiful. You know, it's, it's sort of bringing this supposedly elite shit. I mean, that's what Deleuze would, would want. I mean, you know, he's going to read a thousand plateaus the way you would listen to a record, skip the needle around. Right. You know, you read one plateau over and over again because it's your, your single or whatever, you know? Right. Hell yeah. And you know what? Actually, I mean, some authors, indie authors, are in in kind of interesting higher brow theory spaces that I'm kind of overlapping with, are also now starting to do something kind of like tours for themselves. Yeah. So it's not. I wouldn't say it's a very well trotted path, uh, it, and it's not even necessarily self conscious as a practice. But some of the people I follow and admire, like I don't know if you've ever heard of Venkatesh Rao. He's the guy who started this blog called Ribbon Farm. I, I, right. I remember seeing his name around. He's an interesting dude because he's definitely super smart. He's, he does more kind of, it's kind of like business strategy slash cultural theory. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's kind of a consultant and he kind of, I think he has his background in kind of the business world, but, uh, he's, he's moved on to much more creative, uh, far more open, essentially kind of cultural theory types of writing. And he's built a he's built a brand around his work, and he's kind of brought on other people, and he's uh, published his own books, and he's published other people, and he's one of the other people like Bronze Age Pervert, obviously very very different type of person coming from very different directions, but another another drop in the bucket for me and my disillusionment watching someone like Venkatesh Rao, and I was just reading his Twitter today, like he just I think he has a he has a new book out recently, and he's just kind of on tour, like he was writing about how he's just basically traveling and visiting visiting his readers and, and and visiting people he knows just kind of being a bit nomadic. And I mean, I do meetups. Like I, I haven't done a real serious, like uh, extended tour, but I have, when I go to a different city, I'll say, I'll, I'll send out some messages and tell people I'm going to be there and I'll put together a little meetup, you know? So it's like kind of a tour. Like I've actually been thinking about, it would be cool for someone like me or other people like me who are doing kind of independent theory book publishing or whatever. I don't see why I couldn't do a tour like, musicians do like in a more kind of yeah. focused way like 10 stops i get a van with my buddies and just fucking hit the road uh, that yeah, would be awesome. well, i mean one of the cool you know one of the great things about just the culture of diy touring whether it's punk metal or experimental mm-hmm. stuff it's like that the line between a fan and a friend and a colleague it's all kind of blurred it's just mm-hmm. a culture you, you know it has that kind of you hit people up to put on a show for, you know, to set the show up and you, they, you stay with them. Then maybe they cook for you and then you return the favor when they come to your town. And it's, you know, it's like an excuse to reach out to friends as much as anything, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like I said, I kind of came up in that culture as a young adult and in a, in a lot of ways, I think it is a major reason why I'm doing the stuff that I'm doing, why I just kind of snapped after like a few years of playing by the rules. I just kind of snapped because I had this like long extended familiarity with how people do things in the DIY punk scene. Like a lot of my friends were going on tour all the time, just organizing their own shows, publishing their own zines and stuff like that. Uh, I was like doing a PhD through all that time. And I was trying to be like the conscientious patient uh, person climbing the, the, the hierarchy, the hierarchy. But uh, I have that kind of in my DNA, my kind of social DNA. And I think that's kind of one of the reasons why uh, I'm doing what I'm doing, but enough about me. Uh, Tell me if you would, if you wouldn't mind in a few sentences, could you tell me, why someone should care about Julia Kristeva? Like, I'm honestly, I would like to be convinced. I, I, she's one of those people who, she's one of those people who I obviously know of her work. I know roughly her place in the history of 
uh, 20th century thought, but I've, I've never really been, I've never really encountered a, a motivating reason to even really look into her very much. Okay. Well, I could tell you what I find deep about her and what I've latched onto just for my own yeah. lyric writing and my own sort of psychic and emotional like economy. This cool. is not going this. I'm not making a case for why people should check her out. Okay. I'm not situating her in a lineage of, of, of anything. Okay. But for me, I mean, the things that I find the most deep about her, I mean, her concept of the abject is this kind of, uh, this idea of a liminal space between the uh, the object and the subject. For me, it resonates with Land's idea of the outside. He might just not agree with this at all, but it's this sort of in inhuman layer. Um, her analyses of both depression and of fascism, she's not known as a political theorist of fascism but it's not even really political it's more psychological but she kind of deals with the death drive in this way um that's like about kind of like organic life's nostalgia for returning to the inorganic state you know which which resonates with fisher um to some extent like the his stuff about cybernetic theory and you know like the gothic flatline like his whole thing uh-huh about just how just how uh organic life is descended from inorganic life, you know? So there's this, how with depression, there's this uh, nostalgia for uh, being essentially returning to a a state of stone, to an inorganic state, Mm. Um, sort of a continuum between the organic and the inorganic. Um, So that's her analysis of depression deals with that. That's just poetically resonates with me. Just what, dealing with mental health has felt like to me, you know, and it's just like, that's been a touchstone for lyric writing. Um, so you've struggled with depression in your life? Uh, and, and not on some, like, I, I don't want to over dramatize, like on some debilitating level, but, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, definitely stuff to the extent where language can, can get, um, compromised her, her, um, her analysis. It's so, okay. It's like, the way she constructs depression and the way she constructs sort of fascist psychology. And this isn't, by the way, this isn't fascism, the way people throw it around to mean like you said something that, you know, bad or whatever, you know, it's like, she means the sort of maniacal, that fire of like fascist impulsive, like proper fascism for her. It's it, it, it deals. Oh wait, here now I'm only seeing me and not, Oh no, I can just do a little solo focus for the moment. I like to do it, do it, do it up. Yeah. Um, yeah, she, she has this whole thing, uh, where both depression and fascism are like this sort of distrust of language. Um, because language, it's like a distrust of language because it's a distrust of, of totalizing systems, which is weird because fascism is such a totalizing system, Mm. but she gets into this shit where it's like anti-Semitism. This is another, uh, theme in my work is sort of a, a certain level of Jewishness, not on an identity politics level, but sort of like, what is anti-Semitism? Are you Jewish? Uh, yeah. You know, half, you know, but it's like, that's sort of what I half on like the proper side, like the mom or the dad, I forget, which is the not, proper not on the proper side. No, okay. So you're like an unofficial Jew. <laughs> they, well, they're not supposed to claim me, but every super Jew I know is like, you are on our team. essentially. <laughs> but, um, right 
her, her analysis of what anti-Semitism is, is also the sort of a distrust of totalizing systems, the Jew representing OG monotheism, monotheism representing totalizing systems like the law, and that, um, and that that's sort of why Jews get blamed for capitalism, for the ills of capitalism. I mean, in addition to just being good at it, I mean, no one likes that. But um, yeah, so, so a lot of her stuff deals with um, these, this sort of overlap of, um, of those things, like the, 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 the pull towards uh, wanting to exist in undifferentiated states, whether it's the mother's womb or being in organ or, or in organic life. So is, is this a niche of high, high theory and experimental music? Is this, is this a kind of self-conscious subculture that you, you circulate in with other people or no? Not really. I mean, but I feel like it's a little bit frothing up now with new people. Yeah. I feel like there could be like, maybe it's out there. It just hasn't coagulated into a kind of self-consciousness or a mutual awareness. Cause I feel like, I feel like I do know other people who are, who do similar stuff. Well, I mean, my lyrics that deal with these things, I mean, often fall on deaf ears. I mean, people are like, Oh sick. You know what I mean? But they <laughs> haven't read the, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, um, I mean, Hunter from Liturgy. I don't know if you know Hunter, Hunt Hendrix. You know oh, someone name? in the chat said Liturgy. I don't know. I, I, I think I've seen them around, but I don't know them personally. Yeah, he's, he's an old friend of mine. We were we were like, uh, you know, we were boys like when he was first starting uh, Liturgy. So we, um, yeah, we talk theory a lot. And um, and yeah, I, I, I roll with him in like various discords and stuff. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, and then I've been meeting these younger these younger people uh, who are new friends of mine. Some of them are fans of mine from before who I didn't know, but so it's like through the philosophy hang, I'm meeting people, music people who I'm like, Oh, like you actually are into my stuff and stuff that, uh, that I'm into. And they're, you know, they're up and coming kids. These fucking zoomers are so smart, man. These like, yeah, like old kids, they're fucking just wired. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. They're like all trans too. I don't know why they're like all trans. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yeah, I know you're all, yeah. And they're all like not infected by like the shitty aspects of woke wokeness and they're into guns and shit. I don't know. I like I'm Gen Z. I've yeah. Got, yeah. Tell me more about that. Who else do you know other than our mutual? Um, well, yeah, Josh Strawn, of course. Yeah, right. That's um he's not a zoomer though. Uh no, 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 I'm no, saying, no. I'm saying who are you referring to when you talk about how the zoomers are crazy? And oh, cool? like um people uh, you know, Angie uh, Nostiket goes by goes by Nost Nostiket on the on uh i i don't know if she's like in your i mean she knows who you are but i don't know if you roll with her i'm not sure if i recall i'm Uh, sure i've seen her around but caroline foley i mean these people are really uh are these people you hang out with in irl or no 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 just internet just Just internet internet. okay yeah Yeah. echo rose is another they're just like super smart super smart kids you know yeah i agree there's something kind of interesting in the zoomer zoomer culture i mean i think for better and for worse you know i i kind of have a guilty I wouldn't even call it pleasure, but just kind of fascination a little bit with the less savory wings of kind of the very young extreme right. Yeah, I know. I've been in your Discord. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. oh well, I mean, I have no control over that. That's a that's a genuine kind of autonomous selection process. I'm, I'm not I, have, I have I'm no just control saying, over. I'm just cats are pretty right wing. That's all. Um, I think you'd be surprised, actually, Charlie. I I think the people that are more active in my Discord tend to lean right. But because there's an, I have an entrance survey, so I actually have data on the ideological oh. profile of every person who's come in my Discord. 
and I look at it and I'm pretty sure it's uh, surprisingly close to, to 50, 50 left and right. Yeah. yeah. But um, in any event, the, I, what I was getting at was uh, the zoomers. I agree with you are, there's some interesting stuff brewing in the zoomer culture. And what I was saying is better for better and worse. You know, I think there are going to be really interesting, super creative young, young people coming up who kind of were able to sort of uh, evade the the wave of political correctness that I think really took took its biggest toll possibly on the millennials. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And 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 so that's for better and for worse, right? There's going to be kind of really cool, kind of radical, creative, more affirmative, em- empowering, liberatory types of projects, which you know I'm mostly most into. Yeah. Uh, despite my 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 predilection for kind of saucy uh, right wing literature of some kinds, just for you know for intellectual kicks or whatever. Um, nonetheless, there's, there's also zoomers coming up, like people like Nick Fuentes, who I, I kind of like, I monitor some of these like far right wing zoomer personalities on the internet. And mm-hmm. they're also, you know, uh, I, I don't know, it could, it could go, it, it could get dicey. Like, I think a lot of these, yeah. a lot of these kids coming up who are right wing, they look at what's going on with like the universities and stuff like that. And it, it was really radicalizing them in a bad direction. And yeah, uh, it's yeah. very interesting to see how it's going to play out. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- this is the thing that I do like is that um, it ch- checking out this realm of like cave Twitter, it's not cave Twitter anymore, but post cave Twitter. I mean, this is the first place where I met right wing intellectuals. Like I did not know that that right. was a thing. Like I remember right. finishing up at Wesleyan and being like, wait, so we just went from like Descartes to Marx as though that's just what the lineage is. And I was like, I'm cool with it because I'm a left-wing type. Right, right. Such a thing. Uh, So it's, you know, yeah, I'm interested in these people. And also, like I said, as far as right-left polarities, looking back at what I was always into and being like, is this even, was this even left-wing? My favorite dudes, Bataille, I mean, is that... Bataille, Kristeva, even Foucault, Deleuze, you know, these aren't, uh, these aren't like properly left exactly, you know, and now I'm getting really into Sloterdijk. Is he left or right? I don't, I mean. Oh yeah. He's a great, he's, I think, I think he's one of the, I almost want to say one of the greatest currently still living and and writing intellectuals. I think he's so sick. He's amazing, dude. He's, he's a real force. He's a real, he's, he's a really impressive uh, career figure in any event someone in the chat is asking real quick they say radicalizing them in a bad direction this begs to be expanded upon well i'll just expand on it by saying yeah i mean i think you're 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 seeing ideological polarization in the zoomer crowd so it's like charlie said like half of them are all trans and then the other half are becoming like white nationalists and uh you know i i'm 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 all for the rights of people to experiment with their gender and sexuality by all means and i'm also all for young people. I think people should be allowed to express right-wing ideas, even extreme right-wing ideas. I've said many times on this channel over and over again, I reject white nationalism and I think it's a losing path. So what I think the reason I said that people are getting, the Zoomers are getting radicalized in bad directions. I was referring to the right-wing people who I think are, they look at the other half of the Zoomers who are like all trans and like queer is like so hip and cool. And they're like, fuck this. I'm going to do the opposite. I'm like all for, patriarchy and white supremacy yeah. you know what no, I mean? it, it is dangerous because like reaction i mean the idea of reaction 
is inherent. There's there's a violence to it. I mean, I'm not into violence and I'm not into hate. Like those, I just judge as bad things. I mean, it's unhealthy. Hate is just unhealthy. It's just an unhealthy uh, emotion. It's not a marker of psychic health, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but thing is, a lot of these people who, then again, a lot of these people who I've met or at least encountered, I don't know, like Nishiki. I don't know what happened to him, but um, some of these people are like they're further right than anyone I've met. And who's like, not a piece of shit. You know what I mean? I'm just kind of like, you're not filled with hate. You just believe in hierarchy on this level that I'm not accustomed to hearing articulated. You know what I mean? And I'm just kind of like, I don't know what to think. Or these coder dudes, that's a whole thing or coder chicks. Like like, well, a lot of the left, the left wing uh, kids are coders too, but, but, but there's this like, um, just the whole mold bug of it all, you know, like just these like low empathy engineering brains, which I, yeah, I can't relate to it. It's so unmusical and just utterly unesthetic. You know what I mean? But, but like, well, yeah, but it's not my aesthetic, but, but it's interesting. It's like, Oh, all right. You just are like, you have the low empathy. So there's the motivated reasoning of everything being mechanical or genetic or whatever. You know what I'm saying? You're like people like coder types who latch onto those kind of truth claims, then do building thought experiments based on like, you know, hardcore hierarchy that cave Twitter is the first time I ever encountered anyone on that tip. So I'm like, I don't hate these people, man. You know what I mean? And my friends get mad that I don't hate them, but it's, I can't look at Nishiki and be like, you're a piece of shit anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm I'm kind of similar in that regard. I like people with crazy ideas, whether they be far left or far right. And I agree with you also that I have no time for people who are, are actually hateful. I, I, I completely agree with what you said that it's it's essentially a, a kind of pathological and kind of regressive way to be in general. And uh, so, I, yeah, I have no time for, for hate. I certainly have no time for white supremacy or white nationalism or anything. But that's kind of what I'm getting at is that I actually think people like Nishiki – people like Akira, who I had on the podcast a couple weeks ago, people who are just intelligent, but very, very conservative and some, and yeah, reactionary people are to me really valuable and should be encouraged even by the left because they essentially prevent people from lapsing into this, to the stupid and harmful types of, of reaction, like, like actual white supremacy and actual white nationalism. That's 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 my take. So I actually really think you want a thriving right wing intellectual culture as precisely as a bulwark against the 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 vulgar, ignorant, stupid and violent forms of 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 reaction Reaction versus alt right, essentially, is what kind of. Yeah, that's one way you could slice it up if you wanted to. I mean, the thing it's interesting, though, to bring it back to musical culture is it's like I have not seen any that kind of cave Twitter ish non-shitty right-wing-ish area, I have not seen that in, in the music w- world, you know? As mm. far as the experimental music world, it's pretty apolitical. It's just phoning in whatever amount of wokeness you have to do to just, like, get the grant so you can, like, get back to doing your drone piece or whatever. You know, it's like, that's the, the experimental. In metal, it's, like, brutally fractured. But in metal, this is the thing. I have a lot more sympathy for the hardcore Antifa types in metal because the right wing metal cats are not fucking Nishiki. They're like prop a lot. A lot of them are like properly fascist. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, and actual Nazis and they send, you know, rape threats to female journalists. You know, it's like there's, there's, so the metal thing is polarized 
in a way I, I, I view it differently, you know? Yeah. Like, that's actually a really good point. This, we should pause on this for a little bit. We should yeah. unpack this because it's, it's quite fascinating how the, how ideology breaks down in music or how it fails to break down. So yeah. what you have me thinking about is for, for some time, I thought that rap would possibly be the, the subculture that would kind of break this open and you would see sort of radical transgressive creative freedom that is essentially kind of left-wing in its temperament, you know, has no interest in hierarchy or, you know, positioning certain groups above other groups or whatever. Just to me that this is the, this is the real longstanding and admirable and attractive tradition of revolutionary left culture, which is transgressive. It's, it's trying to break rules. It's, it's spitting on all of the bourgeois norms in favor of a radically opened spread, spread wide open kind of creative culture in which everyone is maximally free to, to be creative. To me, that's radical left-wing culture at its finest. And for a long time, I thought that maybe rap was going to be the vector through which the, the kind of crisis of political correctness over the past few years would be kind of wedged open because rap is known for being a locus of, of cool, right. Of, of youth culture. Sure. What's, what's hip and badass and cool. Sure. Um, and it, it also is, is, it's known for having a certain amount of leniency when it comes to kind of provocative speech. So for instance, like odd future, do you know odd future? Yeah. I, I love them when they came out. Yeah. I really, when they first came out, I really liked them too. I, I, I was, I was a big fan and to some degree I still am, uh, even though they're they're they've kind of split and they're doing separate things now. But to me, like odd future is essentially my, my cultural politics. It's like, yeah, I just want a skateboard gang to fuck around with. I want to make trouble. I want to, I want to like make, I want to be creative and make stuff. And I yeah. want a gang. Uh, I want like a skateboard gang to fuck around with and yeah. go like go through society, yeah. just upsetting people, calling people retards or faggots or whatever. Like, <laughs> I don't think that that's that yeah. bad. Like, well, I don't well, think it's that bad yeah. to call someone a retard. Uh, I actually don't use the word faggot personally. I actually just think it's kind of nasty for me right. personally. I don't use it, but you know, they, they would call people faggots and whatever. And I think that spirit of like, these are just words who the fuck cares. That's, that's a spirit that I think art, uh, at its finest should, should be repping. And so I, I, yeah, I mean, but even with rap, like I, do you, do you see that? Like, where is that being represented today? Because I, I I'm not even yeah, in well, art and music. I, that is, I mean, it seems like what, what your, that, that skateboard gang vibe reminds me of like situationists kind of, you know, hell yeah. Which, hell yeah. Which is an interesting because they were one of my early theory, you know, uh, interests, you know, along with Foucault, it was like Venegam and DeBoer. Um, but it's interesting because though it's, I always thought of that as like, okay, this is left in the sense that it's, um, anti-capitalist on this kind of joy, joy generating from the middle out revolution of everyday life. Right. Yeah. Um, Odd Future had that vibe. It's got this trickster vibe, right? It's yeah. a sort of protean, uh, protean sort of, I mean, skateboarding. Yeah. It's like zigzagging across grids and stuff. Um, but yeah, rap, I like rap, but I'm not deeply up on where, on where that is. I mean, sonically, I really like the trap shit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like that Travis Scott record from, from last year is sick, but a lot of that stuff though really is not transgressive in the sense that it's, it's drug based and just violent capitalism based, which to me, I don't blame, you know, I'm not bagging my finger at people for, for gangster rap, but it's like, it's not transgressive to be just ratcheting up the violence of just like, you know, drug turf wars or some shit. I mean, you know, that's right. sort of, do you, so, yeah. Do you follow the, 
the the culture around kind of like the sound the SoundCloud rapper types. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Even oh, not not um yeah yeah to some extent. I mean I had fucking like my 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 really horrifying run in, and I know horrifying is like that's like a leftist uh, buzzword for everything, but this is actually horrifying. Um, my, my one running with that realm is that I, I, I did this podcast for like just a year that it had to be, uh, discontinued cause I moved out here, but me and this guy, M Lamar, um, who you should have on the show too. He's, he's a trip, but uh, right. we had this podcast called fluid exchange where we'd interview musicians and we interviewed this guy, Wolf Barrett, who, uh, who goes, who, whose moniker was uh, dirty farms. And, um, he's like this transgressive New York rap kid, this white kid, um, rich kid but like but like would hang out in the project and smoke crack with fucking you know what i mean like yeah. the people from there and he would rap about all this stuff of these like rape fantasies and like child molestation and abuse that he'd been through and the fantasies about doing it to someone else and we were like oh how transgressive how fucking interesting and then a few months ago or like yeah like six months ago he got picked up for child pornography at a fucking airport so yeah. it's like I'm not really into transgression at the moment, dude, because I'm like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm all about like, ooh, okay, like hanging out with people who are called problematic and canceled. But I'm like, that's beyond canceled. This is like, you know, crimes against humanity and shit. So I don't know. The idea of transgression, I'm not like, I feel what you're saying with the skateboard thing. But I'll say this, though, man. That Deleuzian vibe of like positive becomings and lines of flight is that really about transgression? Because to me, whether it's quote unquote transgression on the left, or whether it's quote unquote reaction on the right, both of those things sort of rely on their object for existence. I mean, transgression requires a taboo. I mean, in, in fact, as Bataille said, transgression completes and perfects the taboo, you know? And then um, as far as reaction, I mean, by definition, that's it needs something to react against and which, you know, like you're saying, it's reacting against like, you know, psychopolitical correctness and shit. But so, I mean, for me, you know what I've been thinking about lately is the difference between, I think I got this from Sloterdijk um, from the, um, you, you must uh, make your life. I, I, I can't, I can't, but the difference between resistance versus defiance that got me kind of psyched uh, just attitude wise. Tell us. Well, well, just the idea, I don't know if he was defining like this, but maybe I just took it in this direction in my head, but just that resistance relies on an object. Resistance implies that you're pushing against something that you want to, it, it, it's, it's like you have a love affair with the thing. Yeah. I mean, so this is why, you know, a lot of my friends are like, you know, we're, we're like anti-fascist. That's our thing. Anti-fascist. I'm like, you realize, I mean, that's cool to obviously be against fascism. We don't want to be put in gas chambers, obviously, but it's like, dude, if your identity is anti-fascist, you need fascism to be what you are. You know what I mean? If that's literally how you define yourself. So, you know, I just think it just seems the idea of defiance is more, it seems more creative. It seems more Deleuzean, like just yeah. slip sliding, like dodging shit, parrying shit. You know what I mean? It's like martial arts, the kind of stuff like where someone throws a punch and you like use the weight against it, uh, against the opponent, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Or it's almost like rebel without a cause, right? I, I, I sometimes kind of identify with that a bit. It's like rebellion for the sake of rebellion. There is no particular object. Without an object, right, right, You right. know, there's no, there's, there's no particular object. It's just just rebellion. Is that uh, rebellion or is that just, de is that just desire? 
Like, I, I don't know. Is that just like desire as a vector or something or like just joy? I mean, it's a good I mean, question. I actually want to, could we, could we go back just a minute to the, to the music? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Cause, that's Cause I, I, I find these politics very interesting. Like yeah. you were talking about how, um, you know, you, you got vaguely familiar with some edgy young SoundCloud rapper. And then a few months later gets, gets popped for child porn and you're like okay i'm staying away from this i'm smirking but it's not fucking funny but anyway yeah oh no i if i'm smirking i apologize yeah, yeah I mean, no we both are whatever but yeah i actually don't apologize because it's my show bitch <laughs> i don't apologize for shit um but uh no i i get your point um yeah to me that's an example of precisely this problem that there's no normal healthy smart transgressive ground so what happens is the only people who come up who are transgressive are like the really bad eggs who <laughs> like who are actually bad. You know what I'm saying? So, so to me, the puzzle to me is like, why can there not be some sort of um, emerging music culture uh, where it's like, okay, so I'll just tell you straight up my kind of like ridiculous idea that I'm trying to kind of engineer. Yeah. I haven't told anyone about this publicly, but yeah. So for the, for the live show, for the podcast, this will be my first live podcast show that I'm doing in LA on February 28th. I'm going to try to get on the podcast. I'm trying to get as a guest for the podcast mold bug. And then we're going to get um, some like local zoomer rappers to do like a musical act afterwards, because I'm, I'm basically trying to engineer uh in my ridiculous way that i'm sure it won't work but the the vision i have is like there should be diy music like punk rock music scenes or rap scenes or whatever just like diy culture where it's cool to read like edgy reactionary and radical left theory just a, a passion for crazy theoretical ideas on the far left and the far right uh but no interest in hate, no interest in supremacy of any kind, uh, and in a kind of fun, collaborative, mutually, you know, escalating, stimulating kind of way. And there should be musical and artistic culture around that. That's not like, mm. you know, millennials and Gen Xers like trying to be cool, but actual young people who think it's cool and who like to fuck with it. And that I, I, I'm waiting for this to emerge. I'm kind of like. I can I, I feel like I can see possible possible vectors of, of this kind of brewing, but yeah, um, yeah I, don't, I don't know. Do you have anything else on this? I, I find I, it very fascinating. I'm I'm not sure what yeah what aesthetic world that would come in. Yeah, you seem to think it's rap. I that, tend to think it's going to come through like SoundCloud rappers. That's that's yeah. my I'm putting all my hopes and prayers on SoundCloud rappers as being the vector for cultural transformation in the next yeah, few years. Maybe so. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you're talking about Ariel Pink. You know, I mean, I don't know. He was on the 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 the, the Conbot, uh, podcast, but he doesn't like fuck with the theory about it. He's not like you know. He's just kind of like this is weird. I'm going on it. Um, yeah, I I don't know. The kids that I see, these Zoomer kids who are into theory, there a lot of them are into black metal. Um, yeah, a lot of them are into black metal, uh, as am I obviously. Um, and a lot of them are into modern classical. I don't know that, you know, just like post-war super harsh stuff like that noise. Um, but yeah, rap, I haven't, I haven't seen, but like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm not like, uh, I don't, yeah. Like I, like I said in, in metal and, and that realm, it really is like far left, far right. I mean, as far as, at least as far as the the artists who are speaking out and like making clear where they're, where they're at with stuff. You know what I mean? And it's right. not very intellectual. It's very just 
polemical and angry, you know? Right. Um, right. Yeah. So how long is your tour? How long do you go on tour for at a time? Uh, just going out for like three weeks. Going okay. out for that. Uh, I don't know if you know the band KO dot. We're like opening for them, um, which should be cool. I didn't so know they're like your opener or what? We're the opener. Oh, you're the opener. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. They're cool. They're, they're, so they're very, how does that work? Do you guys go in a van together or a bus or what do you do? Uh, we're going to do, yeah, it's going to be a van. It's going to be like a big old van. Yeah. Cool. It'll be cool. cool. No, no. I've done it. I keep thinking I'm going to be too old for this shit. But every time I go, it's just like a absolute joy, man. Touring. You feel so fucking young and free, man. Just show Oh, you love it? Gig. Well, just, yeah. Like what all you have to do is show up at a gig and then just like, set a room on fire man i mean it's just like that's it's the sickest vibe hell yeah dude i want to do it i want to do it for my book when my book when the yeah. paperback comes out i would love to do a proper tour if any if you know any musicians who are like into wacky like uh professors who quit academia <laughs> like i would seriously and i don't have kids yet my wife would be cool with it she's, she's yeah, cool. Yeah. like i i could hop on a tour van with a band uh and, and disappear for a few weeks on the road like I, I this is a serious offer to anyone you know or anyone out there like i would be game yeah. someone well well, yeah it would be like kind of like uh when there when there was a time when comedians and and uh and musicians would roll more together which i wish were more of a thing you know the sort of cross fertilization um huh. yeah it's it's weird that people don't view theory as like an art form or something because from mm. a Deleuze perspective, it, it it is that it's not about truth; it's about creating ideas, essentially. Mm. Well, you know what it is. I think I think it's because philosophy and theory for the past several decades has been completely monopolized and strang strangled essentially by academia, and yeah. not even for anyone's fault. Like I, I have no beef with anyone in particular, uh, but just the institutional evolution has been such that the only people who are really for the most part, the only people who are doing philosophy or theory are doing it for an academic audience, typically either students in a classroom or uh, kind of institutionalized academic or para academic publishers. And that just drives its own incentive. Yeah. So that, that stimulates a certain type of language use, a certain set of problems. And it just leads to the problem is it's, it's mostly captive audiences since it's for academic audiences. Yeah. It's mostly like students have to read what they're assigned to read. Right. And then uh, in, in the para academic world, like Verso or whatever you uh, it, it's hugely determined by what's hot at the moment and who's, who's fashionable at the moment. And you kind of have to read that to be up on things. Sure. And so it's, it's this very kind of captive audience problem that generates not the, it generates language and ideas and texts that you literally can't set. You can't communicate them to a popular audience because any normal human being outside of the captive audience it's yeah. like, what the fuck are you talking about? And why should I give a shit about yeah. that? It's, it sounds very joyless in a sense where, I mean, you know, you talk about joy. I talk about joy a lot. I mean, that's just sort of like bottom line for this entire endeavor, music or thought. So mm. it's like, yeah, it seems like my understanding of, of, of academia in an intellectual sense is that it ends up being producing productive rather than creative because you're producing discourse. That's just part of this economy within the academy right so it's just sort of like grist for the mill and it just gets passed around and it's not actually creating joy it's just alienated uh just like discourse just as this fucking material i mean isn't that kind of is that is that about right oh absolutely and yeah. it, i think it's got, it gets worse over time when you have this kind of uh, insulated bubble those dynamics get worse and worse and i yeah. think we're kind of at this like at this at this peak at this peak period where the theory and philosophy that's coming out of academia is 
so mind numbingly useless and senseless and ridiculous to any normal person who's not, you have to be playing the academic game to care about it because the only reason to care about it is because you need to cite it because you're trying to publish your book with Verso. It's like, if you're not in that competitive status game within that small world setting, then it's, it's almost impossible to get through a few pages of reading contemporary theory because it's just so mind numbingly useless yeah. and senseless. Well, and well, this is, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. Sorry. Oh no, no, I'm just kind of rambling. Go on. Yeah. No, I mean, I was just like, this, this is, I, I suspect that musical, that uh, musical academia is, is quite a bit like that because just checking out what people have to do, the idea of applying to a grad program or a DMA program with what I do I feel like I'd have to do violence to what it is to even funnel it into what could be uh, could could right. be functional in that in that system, and you know my engagement with Chris Dava, for example, on these things. If I had to artic if I had to articulate it in a way that fully functionally in an academic way made sense with what I'm doing, that would actually do violence to what mm. the actual creative vibe of what I'm doing. It, right. It, you know what I mean? It, also, because as a as a as a um, I'm, I'm sure it's like this with with uh, with um, philosophy and stuff. It's like as a, as an academic composer, you have to have an entire thing that you are about that you can say. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't just be like, oh, I did some of this and I'm kind of into that. But it's really in the music. Like, you can't like be Miles Davis. Like, you have to be able to say my work is concerned with X, Y and Z. Right. That's cool if you can do that in a creative way where that's actually what you are. That's oh, and by the way, it better have to do with dismantling hierarchies. <laughs> yeah, I, well, yeah. yeah. It would be interesting to just, yeah, like to apply and be like, we need to bring back hierarchy. My, my music <laughs> is about, well, I, I've said that, you know, I just started doing a YouTube. Uh, oh, yeah? I, yeah, I just started like, I've done only three of them, but I'm, I'm, um, I'm becoming a YouTuber now. Oh, cool. Um, we'll see how we'll see how far it goes. Not as something I'm trying to blow up with, but something sure. that I want. I want to concurrently have it going along with my musical. And I did the second, the second one was about practice and hierarchy in musical culture. And it was about it, it was talking about Sloterdijk a little bit with like um, uh, uh, you must you must make what is it, you must make your life. You must create your whatever. It, you that, must that change book. your life. You must change your life. Yeah. The uh, the idea of vertical tension. I, I love that. I mean, you know what I'm, he's talking about. I think like, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I didn't read that book, but I read the bubbles books and I yeah. read uh, the critique of dialectical reason, uh, the, yeah. the critique of cynical reason. Sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's this kind of thing. Like, I mean, okay. Like I'm not a jazz musician. I don't function in that world, but I do have a background in jazz and like a deep love of it. And I've studied it enough to like have opinions on it and shit. And it's like, I love that world because you couldn't, I mean, you couldn't in a serious academic context go in and just, it's, it's very hierarchical. I mean, I mean, of course you can, you can intellectualize jazz and put it in the Academy, but I'm, you know, talking about dismantling hierarchy. That's what I talk about in that video is that jazz culture is all about changing your life with that repetitive Sloterdijkian uh, self-building based on vertical tension, which he, you know, it's like tension upward, striving upward. Right. Yeah. I'm with that. there's a horizontal egalitarian dimension, but there's very much a hierarchical dimension of values where you're, you're spiraling upwards. So I was just talking about how in DIY punk culture that gets lost, you know, the egalitarian horizontal thing. Right. Sometimes at the expense of like striving for excellence, you know? So this is why metal is sick because it really is about striving 
for greatness. Oh, cool. I like that. Tell, tell me more about that. How is metal about striving for greatness? Well, man, this is the thing. See, my friends are going to watch this and be like, yeah, this is where he like sucks the right dick or whatever. But, it, but it, it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like pandering or whatever. But everybody knows that right wing metal has the better riffs. I mean, that that's, I mean, people don't want to say that, but, and you know, it's not because they're fucking Nazis. I mean, that's not, that doesn't make one a good artist, but when you have a certain sense of good and bad in a metal sense or in a jazz sense, you know, jazz musicians, they don't think of it as right wing because it's not MAGA, you know, it's not like fucking Trump, but like, you know, you talk to like a jazz musician, it's like, if you can't play shit, get off the stage. Like you haven't put in the time. You know what I mean? Like people. Yeah, get, I do but, know what you mean. That's there's, interesting. there's competition. I mean, it's not like, okay, you're like, you have less value as a human. Like you're fucking, you know, some like surf or something, but it's like, don't get on stage. Don't put a horn in your mouth. If you haven't put in the time, you know, there's a sense of legitimacy and exclusion and stuff that's deep. You know what I mean? And it's like in, in metal, it's not talked about in such terms of practice, but there is this thing of like, where are your riffs, dude? Does it have the riffs or not? You know what I mean? Is it just, and so, I mean, there's some far left metal shit that I like, but it's not really metal. It's more punk. It has more of a punk, crusty, grimy edge, but like, you know, metal bands that really have the riffs tend to be, they don't tend to be fucking Nazis, but they tend to be on that kind of like, I don't do politics, man, but you know, it, th- there's a sense of hierarchy yeah. that I think is, is valuable in art. But then see, I know you're a big Adorno head and I was all about Adorno when I first started checking out theory and I'm kind of getting back into him. Like, yeah. He's these, a cultural these, reactionary for sure. In a sense, th- these people that are left wing, but they're not allergic to hierarchy, at least as a concept, at least as an energy, you know what I mean? Or like, um, yeah, I mean, Adorno is the only one that's that's really coming to mind. But I mean, just like we need some discipline if we're going to actually get any kind of leftist project going. Yeah, in some sense, in some sense of of qualities, right? I mean, it's yeah. okay that people are different. People have different strengths and weaknesses. You just have to be honest about what people's strengths and weaknesses are, so that we can collaboratively and communistically align them and 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 redistribute the proceeds adequately. You yeah. know, to me, the whole problem of contemporary kind of moralistic leftism which is the overwhelming tenor of contemporary uh left political culture is that you're supposed to deny differences between people differences of qualities differences of skills as if as if that's going to kind of like force some sort of like communistic distribution of of resources whereas my attitude is like the cultural reactionary left-wing communist attitude which is no let's be brutally honest about differences which exist but because we're honest about that and we confront that rigorously we will be all the more effective in creating organizations and systems that effectively redistribute the wealth fairly and and effectively and and actually create um results that are reliable from a kind of engineering perspective because yeah you can't build something that's real that stands and that works and that runs effectively unless you're pretty brutally honest about 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 what's what and yeah, yeah, yeah. well yeah i mean musically that i mean that's that that's borne out in, in musical situations too i mean just the fact that every great musical situation i've ever been in band wise has had a hierarchical organization even in like free jazz, free improv settings where everyone has the same 
role and it's sort of is on some anarcho-communist shit even still those people as individuals had a hierarchical concept of building themselves to be able to step into that situation and you've made some hierarchical call of who's in the band so even if the role is completely you You know know, i'm somewhat hopeful that there could be a possible vector of of radical culture in a way that i think you and i would both maybe appreciate through through the through the vector of religion possibly because if you think about like christian music it's obviously known for being lame and kind of uh just this like um, milk toast lukewarm kind of wishing washy what's that it depends on what century man 14th century yeah (laughs) that's right hell yeah yeah we haven't topped that yet that's what i'm well that's what i'm that's kind of what i'm driving at here like contemporary christian music when you think about contemporary christian music most people have an image in their mind it's just like super corny right but I don't know. I mean, I talked with people like Akira, who's a Catholic and into kind of indie uh, indie music and stuff on the internet. And I talk with now. I'm talking with you, and um, you haven't said much about your kind of attitudes towards religion, although you you're noting now that you have a certain uh, respect or for or interest in in hierarchy, at least on some basic conceptual level. Cool. And the I mean the the greatest kind of conceptual fixation for hierarchy is of course god as 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 the center of all things and 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 the man at the top of the pyramid in other words and so you could imagine some sort of interesting it's sort of paradoxical but you could imagine a transgressive christian uh kind of culture in which because nowadays just to affirm hierarchy even if you're affirming it in the name of god that has a kind of uh transgressive aspect to it as we're discussing if it's in the name of god because i mean people just i mean they either think you're kidding or you're dumb or you're fucking with them i mean to even you know um i i like the idea of god i like the idea it's vertical tension man it's it's some concept if not knowing your place at least having a sense that you could know your place and that there's some freedom in having a that, that it's liberating to be uh, part of an, an organized vertical structure of some kind, but it's hard, man, because it's like, see, I like the idea of religion. And, and for me, musical excellence is a form of religion for me because practicing and writing is a religious practice. I mean, it's prayer in the sense that it's, it, there are ideas of good and bad. It's more personal. So you don't get the communal aspect because you're practicing working yourself, but, um, in the jazz way, which I keep using that as a, as a, as an example, even though I'm not making jazz music, but I'm into this sort of monastic, um, just repetitive action of striving upwards that is like prayer. Mm. So I relate to religion. It's sort of in that Coltrane-ish way, like a love supreme kind of vibe, but yeah, to actually say God is hard, man, because people, people think of that as a, factual truth claim like white like guy with a white beard on a cloud i mean people really think that you're saying yeah. that you know which right. you're not I, right i mean you're not uh, actually i mean yeah I, I totally see what you're saying yeah yeah i mean so it's hard man after the death of god it's really hard it's really hard to have high a sense of real hierarchy and when the thing that you know one of the things uh one of the th- things that I've gotten from the reaction world, one, one of the things that I've really taken to heart that I have no trouble taking to heart. It doesn't make me feel like I'm becoming racist or uncomfortable. It, it's like, I, I can like totally fuck with it is, um, is just the idea that humanism is not a rational, is not a rational thing. It's essentially a religious thing. I mean, you know, that after the death of God, 
man, humanity, you know, humanism, humanity, that entire fraternalism, fraternity of mankind, equality, all those things are essentially an extension of Protestant the Protestant line, right? I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, right? yeah, definitely. That's textbook mold bug. Yeah, it's textbook. Yeah, right. So it's kind of like, um, th- so that's it's a weird thing because it's it's like it's a horiz- it's like a vertical thing that's claiming to be horizontal or something. Like I, I don't know. Like no, uh, but I, that, that's super important. This is why I'm I'm out here screaming from the rooftops that you can only really, I think, have a coherent, forceful, radical leftism. If you honestly bite the bullet that religion is required, you have to you have to have some form of faith in order to maintain an investment and a belief in creating equality or justice on earth. It's essentially essentially predicated on faith. And I think what's wrong with the status quo is that you have all these leftists who want social justice, but they insist that they're atheists or they're secular. Right. So what, right. what ends up happening is they just have a twisted pathological religion kind of stuffed under the rug and leads to all these kind of weird, uh, nasty and ultimately just ineffective uh, results. Yeah. Whereas if you just own, you own faith and you own the necessity of faith and you own the radical left project as an essentially religious project, then we can figure out ways to do it that aren't so pathological. Yes, absolutely. Well, well, this is a lot of the st- well, some of the stuff on the new uh, Psalm Zero kind of gets into that because I was like reading so much of this reactionary shit, and it, it actually, rather than like red pilling me, it actually, in a way, made me dig my heels in even more, like to a sort of humanistic. I mean, it's I don't like to say humanist because it's just that's just like on the way out. I mean, it's like this, to an extent, it's like grasping at the wind, but but just the idea that. Yeah, yeah, the, like the idea of what you're saying that it's essentially like just a guy like Moldbug is just like, yeah, well, you know, that's not rational. Um, yeah, that's just an aesthetic religious conceit, you know, human equality. And that makes me like, yeah, I'll double down on that. It's religious, it's fine. You know, that's maybe, right. maybe that's my religion. Although Protestantism is a Protestant sect, it's so much less aesthetic than, than Catholicism. The idea that's of like right. identifying as Protestant is just like, ugh, like that's kind of. That's yeah, exactly. Little- that, that's that's why I'm a Catholic. And that's why I think Catholic, libertarian Catholic communism is the way for it. No, I, I know that's that's your thing. Well, just the cathedrals are like beautiful. I mean, like, uh, Hell yeah. there's like New England, um, those New England, like ch- modest chapels uh, do not inspire awe. And they come off as false modesty, actually. It's a little cringe, actually, like uh, just the aesthetic of that shit. But um, in, in any case, just, just the religious, like, t- to me, when someone says, like, well, you know, your, your whole lefty vibe is, you know, it's not rational. It, it, it's just, uh, it's just aesthetic or moral. I'm like, as an artist, I'm just like, well, yeah, I deal in aesthetics, man. So that's not, to me, that doesn't demote it, you know? So where are all the other pro hierarchy, radical left thinkers, writers, singers, musicians, painters, where are they all hiding? Where are they, Charlie? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. But see, I'm not even coming out here. I, I, calling myself a leftist man because to me ist means you're like doing something essentially it's like behavior you know what i mean and i'm not behaving in an ideological capacity i'm just on the left to the extent that that's my social world that's a vibe that i generally am a part you know what i'm saying same yeah same same at least for like most of my life and nowadays i live in the desert i don't even know who my friends i don't even know if i have friends or not or what but uh yeah so, so yeah, but, but for the yeah. most part, I, I, I've always been exactly the same type of person, but by left, I mean, 
you know, you and I both have a healthy and outspoken, you know, uh, contempt for things like white supremacy and white nationalism and all well, that sure, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So in that, you know, we, in that regard, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of left leaning temperamentally, right? Well, 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 even, I mean, not only just being against white supremacy and stuff like that, even these right wing people that I've encountered, the sort of low empathy coder, like mold bug types, even those even those people who I'm like, okay, I get that you're not a Nazi. I don't think you're a piece of shit. I still don't really like those cats. I mean, you know what I mean? I I, I don't, okay. it's just not people I want to hang. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like right. I would rather hang out with Cornell West than fucking Moebug. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just more who I would, but, but, you know, I'm not checking out a lot of Cornell West now because I have absorbed, I know what he's saying. Moebug is mm-hmm. like, all right, like there's something to, you know, absorb there because it's fucking challenging and uncomfortable. But, um, and, and it's same with musically, you know, with these like right wing metal bands, I'm saying like, they've got the riffs, man, they've got those, but I, I don't hang with those dudes. They, they creep me right. out. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they're hostile. Like it's, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I meant by you and I being left wing types of dudes, you know? Um, yeah. But, but this is, this is the question though. Like where are all the other people like us temperamentally? Like I, I agree. I'm not really a leftist in the sense I'm not like member of activist organizations and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, we have left lefty temperaments, but we're, you know, a little bit more, you know, realistic about the possible existence of hierarchies and maybe it's a good idea. Maybe it's a good idea to strive upward and avoid downward. But, uh, yeah, like where are, like, where are the other people who, and certainly there are, uh, at least millions of people who have that profile, but where are they in the culture in, in especially kind of the radical creative culture, the youth culture, the, you know, how do, and how to, or how about a better question and more productive question is how do we, how do we, how do we empower such people, especially young people in kind of yeah. like in, in radical culture, DIY culture? Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, this hasn't been an explicit project of mine lately, but way at the beginning, when I was first, like the first music that I did that really actually got out there, uh, making records, people who I didn't know hearing it going on tour across the country, that shit. We it was very Ador- Adornian, Adorno-ish in a, in a sense, and we were kind of conscious of it, that we were making this hyper, hyper-schooled, hyper complex like instrumental experimental music composed on a level of complexity that was just brutal complexity and doing it in um in these diy basement show noise context so there was this element of critique of showing up and being like yes we're part of your culture we're sleeping on the floor you know we're sharing and doing this for not a lot of money you know we're all making the hang but just performing that level of discipline and and just work and labor and just obviously having such a sense of vertical tension, both as individuals and as the band. I think that that at least enacted that vibe of that. If this culture is going to work, we need some, some discipline, Mm. you know, in here. And we were all really reading, uh, we were like reading some Adorno and stuff. Who were the other cats like that? Like sort of reactionary left trying to think of like who that, well, I guess the other Frankfurt school guys, right? Like Benjamin would be, would be on that. Maybe. I mean, ben, Benjamin definitely was not a woke tart, but he was not, <laughs> he, he, he was not know. as right wing as culturally as, as Adorno. Yeah. And you know, there's this famous kind of divide between Adorno and Marcuse. Marcuse was much more sympathetic to the students than Adorno. I see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they had a famous, they, they exchanged some famous letters uh, at the height of the student protests while Adorno was teaching at a university Mm-hmm. Uh, his classroom was often disrupted by protesters 
you know, trying to overthrow the bourgeois order or whatever. And uh, at one point, a famous anecdote, stop me if you, stop me if you've heard this one before, I have not. but uh, uh, you have heard it. I have not. No, no, no. Oh, Ador- one of Adorno's lectures. I think this was, a, was at the university of Frankfurt was interrupted by protesters who were young women who bared their breasts as their, as their kind of like feminist, provocative, transgressive disruption. And uh, poor little Adorno was just horrified by this. And yeah, uh, yeah. he wrote a letter to Marcuse saying like, this has got out of hand. These young girls came <laughs> in my classroom and, and bared their breasts. It was horrifying. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Marcuse was kind of like, eh, let the kids be kids. They're, they're working their shit out. They're going to, yeah. they're, they're the vanguard, you know? Right. And, and they, they kind of had a, fall, a bit of a falling out about that. So yeah, yeah Mar- Marcuse was more of a woke tart. Although Marcuse gets a bad rap. He wasn't as much of a, uh, a woke tart as, as people say he is like, uh, he's, for some weird reason, starting to his name is starting to reappear um, as as a possible culprit in kind of the social justice warrior phenomenon. And I don't think that's quite right. Like Jonathan Haidt, the uh, influential social psychologist in his book, he actually names Marcuse by name as a source of contemporary social justice warriorism. And I don't think that's right. I actually, I actually, I've I've never read him. I've never read, read uh, Marcuse, but um, yeah. I think he's I mean, pretty cool. I th- yeah, I think I think he's pretty cool, but I think Adorno's the most based yeah. of of all of them for sure. I, I yeah, I, I just I don't know these these um this thing of like right and left it, it just it gets very uh, vague yeah. though at a certain point because these words it's like some of these words like see hi, here's the thing hierarchy is a way clearer thing than equality okay because equality I don't I like it aesthetically mm-hmm. but I I don't it's very unclear what that means, you know, and liberation, I think could go either way. I know a little bit more what liberation is. Cause I sort of know what it feels like to feel free, you know? Um, but I, I think this is one of the reasons why, why the cultural left is like not doing so great because y- you know, it's like the right has answers. I think they're bad answers, but they're answers, you know, build a wall is a plan. Don't build a wall isn't a plan. It just means don't build it. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. so this is kind of like, but as a musician, I don't have to know how shit works. I just, you know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I do have a sense of how to spread joy, you know, but as far as like, where is this, where, where is this culture that you're talking about in music? I just, most people I know just aren't into articulating. They're not really into questioning this shit on this level. And I think that's fine. I, honestly, I mean, I have friends who scream online about stuff in a way that I find both simplistic and it's like the incentivized mental illness vibe of, of, of the internet, but it doesn't fuck up their creative practice. It doesn't fuck up our friendship. It's just, they're not going super deep with really trying to figure out what to do. It's just like emotional reactions that I'm basically, if we're not going that deep, I'm like, fuck yeah, man, racism sucks. Then scream that it's cool. You know, like, I don't, you know, like, so, um, right. I mean, I think, but I think there are plenty of people that are like sympathetic to the shit we're talking about, but it's just not about like badgering people into like getting on board with some different thing or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, for so, sure. When I mean, you, I've, I'm curious. When you play shows, are you the type of musician? Like, I, I feel like it's. A, I'm not really a music head myself. I, I'm not really well versed, and I can't really talk about it. And I've, I've, I've the tastes of a brute. But um, my sense is like a lot of music shows. I've never understood why musicians always set the sound settings so like you can never really hear what they're saying. I feel like this is a very common thing. 
Do just you vocals low? Just vocals being really low. Well, the music is just loud and the vocals are low, or it's just maybe I'm just stupid and this is how it's supposed to sound at a concert. But I've always music. been perplexed by this. I've always been I, I've always wondered why is it so hard to understand what musicians are saying at music shows? I wonder for someone like you whose whose lyrics are very theory laden. Yeah. Um, do do you try to make your sets like listenable so people can understand what you're saying? And yeah, that's a that's that's a good question. Uh with that. I mean, I it, Live, I'm not going to expect this stuff to come off super crisp. Uh, it depends on what kind of music you're talking about, though. I mean, for heavy music, yeah, you want buried vocals, you know. Well, stuff. I guess I'm curious, like for you as a person, as a tour, as a touring musician, do you is part of your is it is it almost all musical in in the way you sense your things? Like you're trying to put out what is essentially a kind of sonic experience primarily, and you yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much expect people to not really get any of the words. Uh, yeah, man, because. This is the thing. I'm a legitimate musical artist. I'm not a legitimate thinker. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm I'm a sued who has a grip on certain things, a deep grip on certain aspects that I that fuel my that it fuels my writing and and uh, you know like lyrically, and some of it does actually fuel the 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 writing of melody itself to actually some of, some of, uh, some of Deleuze's ideas of becoming and Bergson's idea of like dur duration endurance. Some of that shit goes into actual melodic construction, but, um, so it's in there, but like, man, I'm not trying to, in fact, especially lately, I've been trying to pare down the sort of overtly intellectual aspects of it and, and try to speak in a language that some people can maybe fucking get on board. That's with, cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, live, well, especially live, dude, it's not about, yeah, you want people to hear the vocals, but I, I people can't be like parsing out lyrics exactly. You know, it's got to come right. off with a gestalt. You know what I mean? Yeah. See, I'm I'm probably a little bit of that kind of like overly cerebral autistic loser you were describing before. Like, oh, I go to dude, I, 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 I go to, I go to music shows, and I really want to hear the words, and I'm going to judge them mostly on the content of the words, <laughs> and I, and I'm not even like noticing that there's like a melody, and I'm like just obsessed with trying to understand what does this person represent, what are they trying to do to the culture, and how can I understand it verbally, or else it means nothing to me. I tend yeah. to be that type of person. Right. Well, this is why you like rap. I mean, I can understand, or why you're sort of interested in rap as a as a as a culture. Oh, possibly, movie. yeah. And stuff. I mean, I, I know in, in I can definitely say this in, in extreme metal, not in what I do, because what I do in, in Psalm Zero and my role in metal, it's very like not extreme. Like I have this weird I, I'm in this weird place. Psalm Zero is in a weird place because the label that we were on before I was self-releasing that it was like it's like a label that houses tons of just the most brutal death in black metal, like this band Leviathan, the shirt I'm wearing, you know, and, and stuff where all the lyrics are harsh vocals, that meaning screamed vocals, you know, or, or death growl. I sing very clearly. I don't know if you checked out the songs there. I listened to the song and you know what my first thought was? This doesn't sound like metal. <laughs> That's the thing. Instrumentally, it's metal. I mean, you know, the riffs are metal, but the way I sing, it's influenced by, you know, Gregorian chant, um, not, not just Gregorian chant, but just medieval music in general. Uh, and like Depeche Mode, Morrissey, you know, and, and these sort of English singers. So, yeah, I mean, for me, it's a, it's a little more humanist, actually, even if people can't, even if people can't hear what I'm saying all the time, there's this sense of a human man leading it, subjectivity, emotion, I, I don't know, like this agency, this author there, whereas like with extreme metal, you want that shit buried and you want the vocals to be completely unintelligible because a lot of the whole uh, vibe of that is man just being abased and buried in these like crushing forces. You know what I'm saying? Like this right. kind of uh, inhuman, anti-humanist kind of thing. Do you feel like over the years you've been playing music, has it gotten easier or harder to be uh, 
kind of no no disrespect but kind of like fringe super creative outside outside the box kind of uh musical artist has it gotten easier or harder to to make it well dude no offense at being called fringe because if (laughs) i was trying to not be fringe i would be failing at that (laughs) whereas i'm succeeding at being a fringe guy has it gotten harder or easier it's hard to say man because my whole path has been zigzagging and the so-called change that you end up intersecting like so and you, you only you only uh you only end up walking down the, the the parts of it that you walk down um it's it's funny I, that dude this is maybe slightly a digression but i will get to what you're saying okay. but that dude i i really got into that guy jordan hall or jordan greenhall the guy yeah, he's cool he's done show. he's done my podcast yeah yeah the deep code guy so i was yeah. checking out his shit and he said this really interesting thing where he was like you know he, he got really rich so he got to hang out with all these um top experts in various fields and he was saying the thing that he got to talk to all these experts in their fields and he said he was struck by the way that everyone when they talked about their own field they would talk about how fractious it is there's like no it's, there's all these controversies that there, there's no consensus about anything, even tr- not just ideologies, but even truth claims, what's considered true. Like it's completely a fucking mess. And that conversely, everyone thinks that everyone else's discipline is this unified functioning uh, thing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's like, I can tell you music is just, nobody fucking knows anything, dude. People are having success and failure it's not even clear why it's less and less clear why but i mean has it be, has it gotten easier or harder to be a fringe artist well i'll say this in my 20s when i was doing z's and then i haven't even mentioned extra life which was like that that was the band in my late 20s early 30s that's a band that probably got the most juice of of, of everything i've done oh really um, extra life that was like very outside the box experimental indie rock shit like kind of prog but um I had a bunch of crazy, like relative successes, given how weird the music is like bumps that I don't even know how to explain them other than that. I just did what I want to do and people just dug it and it worked at that moment, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But um, I think, uh, I think the best way to be a fringe artist I keep coming back to Deleuze and I'm not just pandering to the crowd, man. It's really like, he just really is, is this thing of starting in the middle, man. And, 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 and not grasping for, uh, not grasping for higher up things and just hustling hard, but hustling from where you're at and, and going outwards from just what's immediately around you. So as far as like, that's, that's a very practical insight, truly, from Deleuze. I mean, it's not all abstract nonsense. Like, that actually is a legit piece of advice, yeah. and I completely agree. I think that's a real piece of wisdom. Yeah, well, I mean, this is – and this is what's getting me really – I felt this new uh, surge of optimism about the internet and about my career. Because, like, I mean, let's be honest, man. Okay, creatively, everything I've ever done, I stand by equally, and I'm like, this shit is all fire. So it's like I've never been in a lull creatively, but career-wise, if we're just going to be real, like my 30s is kind of like in this plateau. It's like people are like, oh, yeah, you made another record. Good, you're talented. What the fuck? Whatever. You know, it's same people buy the records. There hasn't been a lot of growth. It's just been kind of like solid, uh-huh. steady. And I'm kind of like getting inspired, not on this level of like, dude, I'm going to blow back up. But but just on this level of like, I'm feeling like that the internet and especially YouTube, actually, it's like DIY 2.0 because it's coming back to like, like when I was in my 20s, like I said, I, I didn't even have career ambitions. I was just like, I'm going to eventually go back to school. This shit is pure art. 
I, we're never going to make money doing this. This is all about a local scene. All the hustling was like the difference between hustling and just making friends in a wholesome way wasn't even it wasn't even that differentiated, you know, like yeah. the, the substantive and the instrumental weren't even that separate, you know? So it's like what it meant to hustle your music in my early twenties was like going to these shows in, in Brooklyn and downtown New York and just actually making friends and making connections and building out that way. But then I kind of got enough success in the actual industry with extra life that I started to be like, like, Oh shit, I can actually get on real labels. Fuck, I can really do festivals. Like there's actually money coming in. And it kind of fucked me up a little bit. I, I strayed a little bit just on the level of like, I was getting that shit and then it kind of plateaued. And for a while, I feel like I got a little lost as far as my um, hustling MO. Cause I was just like, well, dude, if, if it's not on that thing that I had, if it's not on that hierarchical business structure on that label, you know, it's like, maybe I can get on thrill jockey, dude. I mean, like, I know some people, maybe if I can, you know, but it's, it's like, I'm getting this resurgence of just like these new kids that I'm meeting the people who are their, their friends, but some of them are also fans and uh, some of them they're way younger and they haven't done much yet, but I'm fans of them. Cause I can tell they're like the next shit. Like um, I, I'm feeling this new level of like returning back to that, um, that, that, that building out from the middle thing, you know, and, and just you letting the material itself, this is a Deleuze thing. And it's a kind of like, I think Dunn Scotus is on this vibe, the sort of thing where the, the material itself determines the form, you know? So where like it, the form sort of erupts from within and not from without, it's also kind of an alchemy thing. Um, I, I know you probably think that's some new, new age fucking uh, cringe <laughs> shit, but it's based um, that, that the shit. Um, yeah. Just, just pres- returning to this, this place of like, just melody rhythm, the pure musical material from that comes the immediate friends, the immediate people from that, you just radiate outwards and just, it's just a line of becoming. It's not grasping to some striated fucking hierarchical shit. It's funny because we were talking about hierarchy. Now I'm talking about total non-hierarchy. This is obviously not oriented in a, in a, in a whole system and shit, but no, no, that, but that's a, that's a really interesting point you just made. That's not, I don't, that's not a contradiction. I don't think at all because there, you can mm-hmm. say that there are objective hierarchies of qualities and that, the social status hierarchy is this convoluted, badly correlated thing. The thing that's badly correlated with actual objective qualities, right? So yeah, like a true artist who's on a line of flight is seeking objective qualities, seeking to maximize something, whether however they think about that, whether that's their potential or some sort of Aristotelian unfolding of one's nature or something like this. Uh, one, one is maximizing something objective for sure. It's an objective function. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a radically real and rigorous relationship to the outside with real feedbacks that that are yeah. that are objective for sure. That's the that's the real hierarchy. That's the upward yeah. ascent. That's yeah. the that's the aiming yeah. towards God. Yeah. And also, all currently existing institutions are bullshit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, this is um, yeah, yeah. Well, and also just to to line a flight this to a thing that I am admittedly not even equipped intellectually to then proceed that from from there, but talking about any of this shit in spatial terms of left, right and vertical, horizontal, vertical is maybe in a sense, not as Deleuzian as it could be because I've heard people say that viewing his shit in terms of time is actually the real reading and that spatializing it is actually a little bit striating what, what could be more smooth, but, but I can't even fuck with that. It's, it's, it's too hard to, but, but, um, 
what was I going to say? It um, was really cool what you were saying, though, about how you were describing your current attitude as um, a middle-aged man now who's yeah. already seen some bigger successes in your career in, in an instrumental sense. Yeah. But in the in the current moment, despite being a middle-aged man now and feeling a bit old, you now have like the internet and some interesting weird things are opening up in a way that you feel is very alive. That That's an interesting observation. Yeah. Well, also, you know, something that, that, that you said that, uh, about Deleuze recently that really resonated with me. And it's like one of those things I'm like, yes, I, one of those things I'm like, I always thought that now it's articulated is that thing about becoming imperceptible. Um, and, and the idea that that doesn't mean being cryptic and, uh, and, and retreating, but it means being uncaptured by by sight, by sort of capital or other striated like shitty hierarchies or shitty striations. You know, when 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 you're perceived, when you're seen by that stuff, you're captured and it joy is 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 alienated or 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 constricted. And but the idea that becoming imperceptible, becoming intense, becoming imperceptible in a, in a creative and a career sense, actually ironic, not ironically, but uh, counterintuitively, might mean being more publicly like this is what i'm into about this youtube shit where it's like i'm just into this thing where i like twitter is not enough to just be like occasionally say a little thought and then be like you know but like to actually just like put your thoughts out there in this transparent way and they're going to contradict each other and they're not going to make sense but people see you doing it and it's just like being you know, like without this instrumental thing, and then it's going to do this, and then I'm going to monetize, but just a way of rolling in the world where, where it's, this is a new thing that's, that's inspired me because I got to say up until pretty, I'm talking about like, this is like a month ago. Um, this is talking to my boy Hunter too. He was like, dude, why do you not have a YouTube show? You were like born for that shit. And, uh, but he, um, up until very recently, man, I was fucking freaked out by this technology thing, man. I mean, it, it, but not even like on some old man should be like, I don't know how to use it. I'm like, no, I know all too well how to use this shit. But it's like just the dopamine feedback loops, dude, and the Twitter poison. And I really started to feel on a on a dark Mark Fisher level, on a dark Nick Land acceleration uh Like back loops, the reality forking of it all, you know, all of that shit. I was like, I'm being torn apart, man. This is, this is, this is an inhuman experience, you know, but something just shifted recently where I'm like, no, man, this can be joy. You know, I just have to, have to go deeper into it and just find my way of doing it, you know, oh, which, yeah. is not, which is not Instagram. It's sort of Twitter. And I think it's definitely YouTube. Cause I just like, I like running my mouth is just I mean, it's just, it's just joyful. I just love doing this shit. You know what I mean? Like, For sure. I hear all of that super loud and clear. And you're right. Like there is definitely a way to engage these technologies in the internet in a way that is going to rapidly destroy you in many different ways. No doubt. Uh, it's just a matter, I think of being, you have to be extremely purposeful about how you engineer the system around you, like mm -hmm. your actual everyday relationship to these devices and these connections and these platforms. Uh, you have to be you know, to harken back to something we talked about before, you have to be disciplined. You have to be responsible yes. for what you're doing and what you're not doing. Yes. And to, the way I basically summarize it to people when people ask me about this kind of stuff is that you have to see it almost completely through the lens of creation and production and sharing and distributing. But in terms of getting social feedback or people liking you or whatever, that part of the equation, you have to just brutally cut that, cut that out of the equation. Yeah. So like to, what that looks like in practice is, 
it should like the internet is amazing. The new technology is amazing for actually creating, producing, and then just posting. But don't look at comments. Don't care if people like it. Don't care if people retweet it. Don't even really pay that much attention to other people unless you really like what they're doing and it gives you joy and inspiration or whatever. Um, but I think that's that's essentially it's it's a very simple answer. It's just difficult to implement because yeah. it, it it these devices are being designed to hack our brains to to get us pulled in to suck yeah. us in. So so it's not an intellectually sophisticated point. It's just use them as as creative tools to make stuff and put it out there and have fun and just yeah. radically cut yourself off from what anyone thinks about you. It's like I try to treat random people on the internet as if they don't exist. I mean, the, for all intents and purposes, I, they don't exist to me. I have friends that I care about and I have some people like collaborators and people in my orbit online who I know are smart and cool. So I'm happy to give, yeah. like I give them a lot of time and energy. And, uh, uh, but th- to the random person, I just could not care less. And that's a, that's a very simple heuristic, it, but it's hard to implement. But if you can implement it, that's pretty much all you have to do. And then you have this insane, unlimited playground of devices and tools for thinking, speaking, creating, making everything. And it's fucking amazing, dude. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, thirsting for, for validation is, I mean, that's sort of like the essence of like alienated desire, right? You know what I mean? You have this desire that you're putting out in a positive essence. The second you start counting your likes and shit, you're basically your desire then is a hollow thing that you're trying to fill. It's like marked by lack, you know, when people say that they hate the internet, they're mostly saying that they hate how they care so much about what other people think about them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I mean, this is, this is the thing. It's like, um, yeah. I mean, also, you know, with just on a practical level, just the dissemination of music, the thing I'm getting excited about too, is like, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm mostly self-releasing shit at this point. And the labels that I could get to work with me, I mean, there's a fair number of labels I could, but it's, they're not hooked up enough that, that it's better than me self-releasing it, you know, cause I already have like enough of a network and writers that'll write about me even without PR and shit. So yeah. it's like, I'm like, wait a minute, if I'm all, if I'm self-releasing shit already, maybe I don't even have to do albums all the time, you know, because the internet, one of the things I love about it is it's so unprecious, you know, I mean, this is the thing I like about, you know, one of the cool things about rap, culture and, and electronic music is that people just drip out singles you know they don't mm-hmm. like wait for two years to drop their big album and then it's this big precious deal and then that adds to this thirst of like you're like oh shit okay this is the album cycle i mean i gotta say you know i'm pumped about the psalm zero record i'm pumped about the music but i i don't know i may be i'm already this is being disseminated in a pretty normy uh old school way you know even though it's self-released there's like an album cycle, you know, it's been a f- several years since the last one. There's a press rollout. It's building up now. People are getting psyched. It's going well. But I think after this, man, I don't, I, I want to be more constantly present and more smooth space about it, man, because it's like making people yeah. wait, you know, because it's, it's, it, it ends up being, if you make people wait and you come out with this monumental statement, then there's this like time pressure of like the validation of like, I hope I get enough interviews. Cause then I can like explain da, 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 my philosophical. Whereas like, if I just keep putting out singles and like weird surprise shit on YouTube and then in the middle, just keep running my mouth and sometimes right. the video's deep and it's like, Oh shit, he's making a point. Sometimes it's just like, not even that deep. Like just to keep this constant thing, 
then it just spreads the validation out into just this mist where I don't have to be like counting shit. I don't know. You know, it's like, no, this, dude, this is, this yeah. is exactly, as I'm sure you know, this is what the SoundCloud rappers do. It's Delusian. Yeah. It's Delusian F dude. They, yeah, 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 yeah. Single after single on SoundCloud. They don't, a lot of them don't even do albums. Like my, what, my favorite SoundCloud rapper's name is Lil Peep. I don't know if you heard of him. He was like pretty big at one point. He I died. Did he like, die? Yeah, he died. Yeah. He had a tragic overdose. Yeah. Um, really interesting dude though. And made some, made some real bangers. And I, I, you know, I'm not like really up on the culture. I'm not like trying to act cool, but I actually do yeah. like listen to a lot of his songs. I, th- I think he's a really cool, interesting dude, made some good songs. Um, you know, he never really even had an album. There, there were some albums made, but he, it's not like yeah. he was known for an album or anything like that. Totally. Um, yeah. He didn't really have a, some momentous album that was really splashy, just churning out songs, churning out songs. And it's, it's very delusing. It's very like start in the middle. You just make stuff and upload, make stuff and upload. Yeah. You're starting yeah. with where you're at. You don't overthink it. You're not like, trying to optimize some sort of like strategic strategy. You're just, you're starting with what you got and you post it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, th- that's actually the approach. And I was saying Psalm Zero, I'm doing very rock band album, but my other brand new project, this thing, Nothing Human, there's a link to that. I mean, obvious land reference, right? Um, that There's a link to that too. That's my new electronic thing. That I'm doing with the, that approach. Like I'm just posting, I'm not doing SoundCloud, but I'm doing Bandcamp, but, yeah. but which is people say, yeah, it's like SoundCloud is rap. Bandcamp is like indie rock and like metal and shit. But in any case, like, you know, it's pretty electronic shit. And um, yeah, that I'm just doing singles and I'm just the, like the, just did the second one. The third one's going to come out after the Psalm Zero record comes out. So right on. dude, now it. all you need is face tattoos and then you're fully deterritorialized. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. 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 That's you like, know? that's that the losing guitar. You talk about absolute deterritorialization and it's, it's clearest manifestation is face tattoos. I think. Well, yeah, faciality. I don't know, though. Yeah, there you go. yeah, 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 right. Is he talking about how does that fit to the black hole white wall? It's, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like, yeah, it deterritorializes the face. It makes Dude, that's a face. legit point. That's a, the, the SoundCloud rappers and all the face tattoos is on some level. They probably are trying to uh, escape this faciality that uh, Deleuze and Qatari talk about being so oppressive. Yeah, we'll see. But in that, that's my favorite plateau, by the way. They talk about how the real deterritorialization de- is when the whole body is face. Mm. I, I think they say that. I think that's the vibe. It's not just about dismantling it. It's like the whole body becomes face. Right. But do, do face tattoos dismantle the face or draw attention to the face? They embellish the face perhaps. Well, I think maybe they, they, they make it not severed from the body anymore. So then the whole body becomes, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm There's not, only one way to find out, get face tattoos and write about how, how it makes you feel. Yeah. Yeah. Have you fucked with them? Um, it looks like you got to look at your watch a little bit. Is it kind of, is it getting to that? Oh, time? No, no, not really. I'm more, I'm more respectful. I want to be respectful of your time. We we are oh, almost, dude. we're coming up on two hours now. Dude, I'll go until you stop me. Honestly, <laughs> man, because this is, this is, I fucking dude. I live for running my mouth and I can't talk about this shit with a lot of people because they'll just get annoyed uh-huh. Or, or, or just whatever. But um, have you fucked with um rap wise a little ugly mane? You got to know. Lil <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. I, my my friend just hit me to little ugly mane. He's not so much on that SoundCloud rapper vibe. He's a little more like overlaps with noise. Okay. The noise scene, but he's very much a legitimate rapper. His shit is the most Delusian shit. It's like the most Delusian shit since Cool Keith. As far is as it like good, to, is it good to listen to though? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. It's hard. It's fucking weird. I mean, he raps yeah. about like he'll reference like a Braxis or something. It's, it's very violent. Uh, but, uh, I'll check it out. It's surreal. Yeah. 
So are you, when do you leave LA? Cause I'm going to be there for a week before my thing. Are you going to be there at all? It'd be great oh, to meet up. Yeah. Oh, no, but I'm going to New York on either the 20th or the 21st. Cause I got to like, uh, rehearse. Okay. I'll get there in the 24th. So that's too bad. Maybe. Yeah, I'll yeah, yeah, yeah. Time. yeah. 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 It'd be cool to do an IRL, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going back East a bunch cause I got that tour and then I'm doing this project up in Troy with the, the, this, uh, this visual artist and stuff. So I've got, yeah, I've got East, East coast operations, but I'm starting to put some roots down. People are, are, are into nothing human out here. I'm getting asked to do some, uh, getting asked to do gigs with nothing human, which is, which is cool. Cause I, that's just like totally solo, very, uh, very electronic, just backing tracks and me just singing and doing keyboards and shit. Um, cool, man. well, I, I wonder if you got any, any other thing you really wanted to share with the world that maybe we didn't, we didn't mm-hmm. uh, pull up in the conversation organically. Any, uh, no, I mean, I mean, I would say, if people want to hear, you know, I've gone through all these different theory vibes with different, you know, all these projects over the years, Foucault and Situationist at first, Kristeva Bataille, moving through Jung for a while. The the two new things, Psalm Zero and Nothing Human, are the most related to this cave Twittery. Interesting. Theory, theorists they're dealing with. So I would say check them both out and that you'll notice that Psalm Zero is the more warm, sentimental, humanist sort of response to the whole Moldbug land thing. Nothing human is just more like the defeated, like, fuck it, dude, let's just get it over with. You know what I mean? They're kind of it's like it's like, uh, yeah, it's like cold and warm, basically. So check them both out. See, see how see how they a B in your uh, yeah, for sure. aesthetic sensibilities, you know. Yeah, for sure. There are links in the de- in the description below for people who are listening. Uh, do you uh, do you have any ideas for the your your vision for your multimedia empire now that you're playing with YouTube and all that? Like, what's the what's the game plan, or any, can you foreshadow any plans? Or no, man. I, I I'm like I said. I'm just I just want to proceed proceed from where I'm at. You just know, around and just uh, yeah, dude. Because it's like. I, yeah, I, I, that is a good answer though. That is, that's probably the, the only appropriate answer for a true artist. What I don't want, well, I wouldn't even reject it if it happened. I I don't want to my YouTube, I don't want YouTube shit to take off and then eclipse my music and then become like known as a fucking YouTube personality or something. But I don't know. Mark Marin fucking did his podcast and it like it, it eclipsed his career as a comedian and he's not sobbing you know what i mean so so who who, who knows you know what i mean but it's like i it's for me i just want it to be kind of like this thing alongside where i'm just being and interacting with people in this sort of low low voltage but constant uh kind of way it's it's as much for myself as for anyone man because a lot a lot of this philosophy shit like if you sit on it it'll fuck you up man because it, it's just like checking out land and, and, and these reactionary dudes. It's like, it was when I first wrote to you, man, it was like a mental health. I was in a way reaching out to you on like a mental health level. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. I totally forgot that. that. I was also spiraling out into fucking drug addiction. I mean, dude, I'm not even gonna, I don't even want to fucking get too deep into that on this, but like, I, I was tweaking because it was just like, I, I'm checking the shit out. I'm like, dude, am I fucking racist? Am I a bad person? Like, what the fuck's happening? You know what I mean? I'm like, and, and you sit on that shit. You don't talk to people. It, it'll poison you, man. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah, for sure. Know. That's so, that's funny, man. I totally forgot that was the context in which you first messaged me. You were like yeah. something about how like you're reading land and dealing with drugs and you're like 
fucked up and you're well, like well because i was basically like i was checking out cave twitter and i'm like and then i was like well this guy seems like you know i'm like i'm like this guy seems like a sort of pivot point between someone that i might hang out with and these other people who like i'm interested in what they have to say but it's kind of morbid but i kind of relate to it but i know i wouldn't want to hang out with them but i would like to get, you know like this the the, the whole uh I, I, yeah. I don't know the, the super reactionary dudes. So yeah, I reached out to you because I was just like, dude, you know, you're on this trip, but you're like vocally anti-racist. I like this. We could talk, you know. Um, no, but then you were like, oh, you, you know, do you want to be in this Discord? I was like, dude, I'd love to, but like, I can't fucking da 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 da. Because I mean, also, dude, because it's like when you mix, when you mix like neo reaction and shit with like cocaine, dude, it's just <laughs> like it. This shit is just like I. I used to just get on some shit. You, you know the Friedrich von Oxkoll, uh, his his YouTube channel. Yeah. That, yeah. Right. So he has anyone that probably everyone that's listening knows him. But if, if you're not, if you don't know, he does those text to voice homemade audio books right. of all these philosophers. So, yeah, I would just get on this dark shit where I would just come home and just get super fucked up and just be pacing around my room listening to that British robot voice, dude, like reading, like fucking <laughs> reading like the dark enlightenment. And then I'd like pause it and just be like, you know, like, uh, like rapid fire, like just doing the arguments like wow like you know what i'm saying in my head like replicating the fucking arguments and having imaginary like arguments and discourse with people it was it was fucking bad for me man so it's like i don't know i've like i'm like clean and sober now i can like talk to people about this shit they're like okay you read some fucking right-wing shit you're not evil we know where your heart's at like it's cool you know what i mean so uh, it's now becoming more integrated and so for me youtube is just further doing that i mean not that i have a bunch more edgy sketchy shit to talk about but just you feel what I'm saying? Like, just, oh, I'm, just yeah, definitely. I'm, it, I'm really, I'm so glad you brought that up because I totally forgot about that. And it's super interesting though. This, this is some real color for the podcast. People are it's just like, like, yeah, man, I, I, uh, you know, I'm gonna, I, I hate to tell you this, but I'm going to have to absolutely have to title this podcast mixing neo reaction with cocaine. I just, I, I don't see any way around it. I can't think of any other. Better I, I don't know, man. Yeah. Do, do, do what you got to do. Well, 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 the thing, the thing is I, I had, I mean, if you're not cutting this off time-wise, I mean, there's actually some some intellectual musings that I did have about that experience, which is just that, um, it's just that, like, first of all, addiction is very much a cybernetic experience. Burroughs was onto that way before any of this, mm. but yeah, having, Rick, man, tell tell us, go on. I mean, cocaine is a dopamine feedback loop, par excellence. You know what I mean? So, I mean, there's just nothing that's more. But I mean, you know, so that plus Twitter and this internet shit. Um, you know, these feedback loops basically get in you and not only it's once they get in you, it's not, it, it, it's not just like, oh, I have a, I have a, um, I have a self, I have a subjectivity and now this alien machine is now in me. It's worse. It's more vertiginous because you're like, oh, I never had an inside or an outside to begin with. You know, it's not just like I'm being pulled to the outside. It gets onto that Mark Fisher shit continuum between the organic and the inorganic. You know what I mean? So you're like, like, oh, I never had a, and it's Deleuzian, but in the horrifying sense, you know, where Deleuze, you know, they're just like, oh, identity is just, uh, it's not even real. It's, 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 uh, oh man, it's, I get worked up even talking about, okay. Go ahead. Like Deleuze's idea that everything is just machines plugging into other machines, right? I read that in my twenties. I was like, Oh, it sounds liberating, man. Like we're all just machines. Like, eh, nah. but like, but no, like when you start to like get on some like fucking freebasing shit, you're like, oh, um, 
yeah, I, I'm I'm just I'm not a self. I'm this area where a bunch of machines are plugging into each other, and um and there is no inside and outside. We're all just surface, you know. That surface is just that anything interior organic is basically just a surface invaginated, you know, and folded on itself. Like Fisher talks about that. Um, so I was reading all this shit, getting super fucked up on coke, and then it's like, and then checking out all this reactionary shit. This is the next fucked up thing where I'm like, I was pacing around my room, right, and I'm like yammering out the thoughts, like doing the arguments of like the red pill shit, and I'm like. I don't believe this shit, but I'm replicating the thoughts so maniacally in my head in this sped up way that I'm like, is that all ideology is, is just replicating thoughts and like running code. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like just running this machine in your head because I'm like, I don't believe this, but I don't not, you know what I mean? I'm just like replicating thoughts. So then I'm like, oh, ideology is just another machine that's just acting on me. Plus that whole red pill shit, that metaphor itself doesn't even appeal to the idea of truth or falsehood. It it appeals to the idea of dosing. I mean, the pill, it's a biological metaphor, you know, essentially. So it's almost admitting that you're being brainwashed, but also saying that you were brainwashed with the blue pill and that all ideology is brainwashing. And then you get into that parapolitical, you know, you you, you get, you feel, you feel what I'm saying? I think so. Like, so it's just machines and machines. And it got really fucking scary. But getting off drugs, you can handle this shit. You know, I can soberly sit here and I'm only a little bit hypo manic. You know, I'm like worked up a little bit. I can, I can actually talk about this without, you know. But that's when, yeah, when you're like, do you want to be on a Discord? I'm like, man, I would love to. But this is actually part of it's tearing apart the integrity of of what I supposedly am. You know, yeah, I mean? dude. Well, I think that's as good a closing story as we're gonna get tonight. That was yeah. awesome, man. I'm I'm really yeah. glad you remembered that and brought that up because I forgot yeah. and it's dude, super it's like interesting. Some shit off my chest, man, because I feel like a fucked up person, man. You can't. T- anyway, okay, cool. No, dude, you seem like a you seem like a cool dude. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. It's been a pleasure getting to know you, man. It's been cool. As well, yeah. Likewise, man. We'll do an IRL thing at some point. I don't know. For sure, I mean, I'm, I'm sure our paths will cross. I'm not gonna be in New Mexico anytime, but yeah, no, we'll be in touch, man. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for sharing yeah. all these interesting stories and thoughts and your experiences in music and theory. And uh, it's been it's been a wild ride. And uh, nice, yeah, man. for people who are interested in Charlie's work, there are links in the description below. So check out his music. New yeah, album just, on, just dropped. And uh, yeah, man, stay in touch with me. All right. Absolutely. Take it easy, man. Best of luck with your tour and everything if I don't talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. Have fun in L.A. with the fucking pool party or whatever. I'll try, man. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right. Later, brother. Have a good yeah, one. Man. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. As always, that was fun. That was a wild ride. Those stories at the end were especially colorful. We probably should have started with those stories. People would have been like, uh, well, this is wild from the beginning. But it's good. It was a slow burn. Interesting ups and downs. And then uh, just randomly reminded me that uh, he was addicted to cocaine and neo-reaction. And messaged me out of the fervor of that uh, moment. And that is how I originally met Charlie. So interesting dude. Cool dude. Seems like a good guy. And yeah. Um, all right. This Sunday I'm doing a seminar with Johannes Niederhauser, private seminar on Deleuze and Heidegger. If you want to come, just uh, you just have to register at the link below. And uh, you know all the rest. I have a free Discord server if you want to join it. Charlie's in it. He joined when he was addicted to cocaine and neo-reaction. <laughs> As he as he told it you. And uh yeah. 
If you have any thoughts for me, questions for me, comments for me, shoot me an email, DM me, whatever you want. Thanks for hanging out, folks. Always very grateful. Big uh, thanks to my patrons. Always try to shout out my patrons. Woker Nexus coming through for $2 super chat. Good. Good. Very nice. Very grateful. Thank you. All right, folks. I wish you the best. I'll see you next week with Ayala. It's actually pronounced Ayla, but it reads like Ayala. She's like a rationalist e-girl, but she seems cool, smart, and very provocative. So I've been told that uh, I'm the male version of Ayla. And I think I've seen people tell her she's the female version of me. So we'll see what that means on Thursday, I believe. All right, folks. Later. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you thought that was cool, then don't forget to subscribe. And it would be even cooler if you left a review. I'd appreciate that. And yeah, just to learn more about what I'm up to, you can check out theotherlifenow.com. That's all. And I will see you around the internet.